This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Your coach. Your guide on the side. Top of the morning. This is the show where we give you the information, the tools, what you need to live a healthier, happier life. Happy Tuesday to you. By the way, yesterday we missed it. It was Pi Day. Not 3.14 Pi. But Pi. Like cherry pie. I guess we'll have to celebrate it in March then. Yeah. We can always celebrate Pi Day. It's also was Donald Trump's day one yesterday. Even though it was day four. And he got busy. Holy cow. We'll get into all of that fun. Um, Many are saying he had a good first day. I mean, better than his weekend. He seemed to not get in as much trouble. Uh, Met with a lot of people. We'll we'll go through the list of that. Plus today, also um, making headlines because Academy Award nominations are out. Woohoo! Jeff's uh, favorite day of the year. Yes, it is a uh, sensual, what, what uh, soft and sensual soft day. And sensual. Just yeah. like the Trump inauguration. So you're going, in a minute, you're going to run through all of the top uh, Academy Award nominations. And then at 8, we've got a really awesome interview with with somebody that's up for an Oscar. Yes. Is that right? Schick won't say who it is. Yeah, Schick, some way. I'm only going to mention the, the top ones. I'm not going to do, like, best documentary short subject. Why? What do you have, what do you have against short subjects? I'm all about exclusion. <laughs> Anything we can do to exclude. That's so rude. Plus, today we will be talking about uh, how Western companies can succeed in China. They've made a big deal. Yesterday, Donald pretty much eliminated TPP. It's not going to happen. And uh, so all of a sudden, this uh, this trade agreement with the partners in Asia, Japan, for example, the Philippines, South Korea, they were all hoping to create, forge some agreement with the United States. But uh, we'll talk with our expert today about China and what will how will that impact China? I think you'll have some insight on that. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country? President Donald Trump meets this morning with CEOs from General Motors, Ford, Chrysler. In the Oval Office, Trump made a point in the campaign trail slamming American automakers for importing cars from Mexico and vowing a border tax to prevent companies from moving their assembly plants south. The American automakers likely will try to make their case for why it would be a strain to produce all of their cars within the U.S., with some experts estimating Trump's proposal, uh, proposed tariffs and taxes would drive up car prices and leave consumers with fewer options. So buy your car now, Matt. Gotta get it now. Trump, Eric Trump has replaced his father, President Donald Trump, as the head of Trump International Hotels Management, LLC. Florida Public Records show CNN confirms with documents provided by the Trump Organization that Trump resigned from more than 400 entities on January 19th, one day before he was sworn into office. Hmm. Cabinet approvals, Mike Pompeo confirmed as CIA director by the Senate. Rex Tillerson approved by the Senate committee he was... Uh, being uh, grilled by, I guess you could say, and will now face a full Senate vote sometime today. Marco Rubio caved, 
Yeah. Said he has concerns, but uh, he believes that Tillerson will be a good secretary. Which of State. is so interesting because none of these people were supposed to get through, according to certain people in the media. Well, that's a different topic. According to more than one witness, Trump advisor Kellyanne Conway punched a man at the Commander in Chief's inaugural ball. Whoa. According to reports, Conway tried to break up a fight at the Liberty Ball on Friday. Uh, evening by stepping between two men, and she punched one of them with a closed fist at least three times when he, uh, he would not disengage. Fox Business correspondent Charlie Gasparino corroborated the story on a Facebook post on Monday. Uh, he said, like Kellyanne Conway, came out of nowhere and just started <laughs> dropping some punches. Uh, wow. Conway also has said that she has secret service protection because of threats, including some packages containing white powder that have arrived at her home. Wow. She said she said on uh, Sean Hannity that because of what the media is doing to her, mm-hmm. that provoked these attacks. Interesting. This is crazy. It's getting out of hand. Now she has to be a bouncer. Yeah, apparently she's enforcing the law. Uh, and finally, police say in South Carolina, a high school student accused of throwing a paper airplane that struck a teacher in the eye could end up in jail time for a month for the young guy. Whoa. This out of the AP uh, Georgetown County Sheriff's deputies arrested the 17-year-old student at Andrews High School. Teacher Edward McCliver told deputies that he was upset after getting hit in the eye with the airplane because he recently had eye surgery. Mm. He also told police that he and the student had had some previous confrontations over the student behavior and something needs to be done, he said. The student was charged with third-degree assault and battery and was released from jail on bond because of a paper airplane. Wow. Bond. James Bond. Ricky Bond. <laughs> Ricky Bell Bonds. Um, wow. So be careful. I mean, how many kids have thrown a paper airplane right. in class? Just tap on this one, hit the guy in the eye. And, and the guy had already had eye surgery. <laughs> but is, is arresting the young man the way to do this? So we set him up with a criminal record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean – Seems like send him to the principal's office, make his parents come in. Maybe they already did that with some previous issues. Then you know you need to tase him. Yeah. Just tase the boy. <laughs> what? Tase it. Oh, boy. Wow. Okay, I feel bad for the guy now. Uh, Donald Trump yesterday met with the uh, his blue-collar leaders, all the union leaders. He did. Isn't that crazy? See, the unions used to be with the Democrats. Well, I mean, you're promising jobs, and that's what unions want, right? They just gathered around. One of them's a Hoffa. Yeah. That's scary. The Teamsters, yep. I mean, he, may, he may personally not be scary, but... Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa. You going to keep doing that? Ever, let, ever, let's do this all through the show. Please we'll don't. give you new names, and then you have to do a little, yeah, James Bond action. So apparently the unions are liking him. Soon I think he brings in the big GM, all the big car manufacturers. Does that today, yep. Uh, he signed TPP. A lot of his uh, a lot of his people, it seems like, are going to get through. We hear, we hear all this news about... Well, there was no real doubt that they... Well, well, well there was a doubt with Tillerson because that was a 10 to, an 11 to 10 vote right, to so, get him through his... So here's uh, the irony. So if he's yeah. going to get through anyway, why yeah. wasn't he through yesterday? Why wasn't he through Friday? Why? What's the rush? Politics. Well, sure, but what's the rush? Why, why do we need to speed these po- people through? Because you want to get your government started. Do you? Yeah. 
You do. He's got to get – you know how hard it is for him, Tillerson, who's now over the state or will be soon. Right. He's well, got to go get his home – He doesn't know yet. He'll figure out when he gets in office. He's got to get his home server up. Oh, sure. He's got to get his emails <laughs> going. He's got to get some company in Colorado to maintain the server. He's got to fix the bathroom so that he can put his server in. It's just it's all politics. It's crazy. Oh, if and especially if they no. all if they don't have the votes, they're going to say they're doing their due diligence. But w- come on, when you're interview when you're doing the, the interview for the Secretary of Treasury and you find out that he has an account in the Caymans with 100 million dollars in it that he failed to disclose. He didn't that fail something? to disclose it. He disclosed it on another form. Oh, is that what it was? So, it's, but when you're worth hundred or whatever, when you're worth yeah. tens of billions, sure, or whatever he's worth, well, that's another. It's hard to get all your data in yeah. a row. And so, should they just rush him through for no? But okay, they knew so because the rushing through is once they had him in the Senate hearing, mm-hmm. they had their paperwork. Right. So it was no longer a paperwork issue. It's well, now the Senate. We got more questions. Slowballing it. We got more questions. It's like that ethics committee that keeps bringing Hillary Clinton in. There's more questions. Yeah, we this talked is, to her nine times. Let's do a tenth time. Just this more. is politics, <laughs> and this is why. This is why it's if Donald would not get into all of his other trouble talking about other stuff that doesn't matter. Yes, if he just kept pushing like he did yesterday. They're in trouble in a way. The Dems are right. because this is just going to keep going. Because I have a feeling he could live up at this pace. He, there, there is one sleep. concern. What? Man doesn't use a computer. Right. He doesn't need to. So he walks in in the morning, sits down with the New York Times or whatever newspapers he's looking at, circles things with his Sharpie, <laughs> writes names of whatever staff he wants to react to this, and then he gives them to his secretary either to deliver – personally to this person or make a PDF and email the PDF of the of the newspaper article yeah. that he's annotated. Yeah. Just, and so people are getting these emails and there are all these PDFs of articles and they're like, what is going on? See, but that's that's old school. Yeah. It might slow things down is the problem. He no. could do it much easier by just sending a link. You would think so, except he starts at three in the morning. Yeah. Because the guy can't sleep. Well, yeah. So he sits in his silky robe at three in the morning, starts circling stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the hard thing, there. He's got to be waiting for the paper. Oh, yeah. I bet his butler, like at three in the morning, has got to bring him the paper. As soon as it lands on the step of the White House, he's got to bring him the. Did they run over to the gas station and get mm-hmm. it? Is that how it works? That's how it works. Wow. It's crazy. Have a, does he have a paper boy? Yeah, he does. What's the paper boy at the White House? Like? Can you imagine the little kid that throws the paper? What's the at the clearance White on House? that kid? <laughs> he gets attacked and tased every time. Hey, uh, did you hear about the uh, Minnesota governor? That was. I watched sad. the video. He's in the middle of the state of the state, or actually he's 40 minutes in, yeah. and just sort of passed out. Just got tired and passed out. What was funny was all the people trying to catch a grown man from yeah. crashing and then trying to awkwardly carry him around or something. By the way, wasn't that a wasn't that a um, an Oscar-nominated film, Catch the Grown Man? Catch the Grown Man? Could be. That was a good one. Man. Grown man. Sorry, that was a stretch. Thank you, Sean Connery. Let's get to the breaking uh, headlines and the breaking news about the Oscar nominations to help us walk through the chaos and the craziness. Jeffrey Simpson. Well, were you up at uh, 6.18 this morning to watch them live? I didn't watch them, though. I was trying to get here. Oh. Were you? Did you watch them? You weren't listening on the radio? No way. 
Well, I don't think you could because this was the first time where you could live stream the nominations only on Oscar's website. Ah, look at them. Yes. And so instead of just taking a couple of minutes with the Academy president, Cheryl Boone Isaacs, and some, you know, obscure actor to get up there and do it in a few minutes mm-hmm. – they made this whole pre-produced thing where they had all sorts of different actors and actresses who have either won an Oscar or who have been nominated for an Oscar. And I think it was in an effort to be more inclusive. Wow. Because last year, you know, there was the whole Oscar So White scandal. Yeah. So they changed some of the membership. They extended the membership to other people. Oh, that's smart. And they took other members' membership away. Oh, they did? Yeah. They, re- they like, repealed people's... Right. Wow, so that's rude. So, right there, you knew you were probably going to see more nominations for people of, you know, that weren't white. Yeah. Okay? Of every other ethnicity. And that was certainly the case. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's because these people aren't deserving. I'm just saying it's not too much of a surprise. Yeah. Okay? So, which one do you want to start with? Uh, best Picture. Best Picture. So this is one a few years ago. They changed it from five nominations to ten nominations. Wow. Then they did that for a year or two and said, well, it can be up to ten nominations. Back it down. So it's always like nine. And that's the case this year, too. So for Best Picture, the nominees are Arrival. Did you see that one? Yeah. Fences. uh, The one about how to build a fence. (laughs) Hacksaw Ridge. Mm. I think that was one of the Saw... Saw sequels, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, Hell or High Water Ooh. with Jeff Bridges. Hidden Figures. Yes. La La Land. Oh, wow. Lion. Lion. Uh, Manchester by the Sea. And Moonlight. That's you a look lot a, of You look a little confused by some of those. Well, that's just a lot. Yeah. Come on, narrow it down, people. Well, I'll, nar- I'll narrow it down for you. It's either going to be Moonlight or uh, La La Land. There you go. Really, Hidden Figures doesn't have a shot? No. Okay. Hidden Fences, on the other hand. Yeah, that, that might. Yeah. a whole other movie. Um, let's see. Best Director. I thought the, the reason I thought this was a little controversial is because Mel Gibson was nominated for Hacksaw Ridge. Really? Mel Gibson, who everybody was so against because of some of his remarks. So this could be the return of Mel Gibson, although I really don't think he's going to win. Yeah. Who else uh, is in that category? So the director for Arrival, the director for La La Land, the director for Manchester by the Sea, and the director for Moonlight. That's going to be La La yes. Land. Okay. Best Actress. Emma Stone for La La Land. Natalie Portman for playing Jackie Kennedy. Oh, wow. Amy Adams. Wait a minute. Is that true? Amy Adams for Arrival? Huh. I don't know about that. That's not true. Oh. <gasps> That's not right. I think somebody produced this before they actually oh, saw what the nominations were. You found a were. mistake. Okay. You found that a mistake. That was a mistake. I apologize. It's going to Emma Stone because you think so? La La Land, I bet, is going to sweep the whole thing. Okay, here we go. This, ooh. Oh. Uh, Isabel Huppert or Hubert for a foreign movie called L. Ruth Nega for a movie called Loving. About that couple, uh, that interracial couple that wasn't allowed to live in their state because it was against the law there. Uh, Natalie Portman for Jackie, Emma Stone for La La Land, and Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. So, yeah, somebody obviously was a little too confident and put this list out before the actual nominees 
Emma or Stock. Really, he's going with Emma Stock. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Here's a category where... S- Ooh. This is a little lighter. Yeah. Where some of the nominees are, are more uh, diverse than they have in past years. Viola Davis for Fences, who uh, has never won. She's oh, been nominated several times. One. Let's give her one. Naomi Harris, another African-American woman for Moonlight. Nicole Kidman for Lion. Octavia Spencer, also African-American, also a past Oscar winner. Ooh. And Michelle Williams of Dawson's Creek fame. Wow. Yes. I haven't seen any, most of those movies. Okay, how many of these animated pictures have you seen? Kubo and the Two Strings. Nope. Moana. Yes. My Life is a Zucchini. No. The Red Turtle. Negative. Zootopia. Yes. So you've seen the two Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the snub there, no Finding Dory. Huh? No Pixar movie this year. Rude. Yeah. Uh, okay. Best supporting, no, best actor. Yes. Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. Affleck. Is that, I think, I think I've seen his commercials. Andrew Garfield. Okay. Who was Spider-Man once upon a time. For Hacksaw Ridge. Ryan Gosling for La La Land. I think it'll be between him and uh, Casey Affleck. Affleck. Viggo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic, which is not a Marvel character, by the way. By the way, isn't that what Terry told you to call him? (laughs) Captain Fantastic. Captain Fantastic. Fantastic. (laughs) Captain Fantastic. Okay, Denzel Washington for Fences. Ooh. Uh He also directed that film, by the way. Hmm. And then also uh, Best Supporting Actor. Okay. Mayor Shala Ali for Moonlight. Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water. Mm. Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea. Dev Patel for Lion. So he's an Indian actor. And Michael Shannon for Nocturnal Animals. So again, wow. they this is much this is, this is much less white I mean, it than really it was is. last year. They and and it seems like I don't know. With nine pictures in there, too, it, it seems like we're going to be able to spread the joy out a little bit more. But you know what else is great? It sounds like it's going to be a six-hour show. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel's hosting yeah. February 26th, Dolby, Dolby Theater in L.A. Don't miss it. No Tom Hanks for Sully. No Amy Adams for Arrival. It's kind of rude. Yeah. Because they need more attention. Yeah, they do. Well, good stuff, Jeffrey. Way to cover it all. We, uh, we will take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about China. Can Western companies succeed in China? Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. Well, the population of China is currently 1.3 million people. And it's massive, especially compared to the 319 million in the United States. Uh, Sorry, billion people. 1.3 billion people. And when you think about it, you know, years ago, every Western company that could wanted to get into the Chinese market. And for over half a century, they've been fighting to get in. But the problem is, do they have an equal playing field there? Is it fair game? Is it a good bet for Western companies to want to get in there. Joining us to talk about it is Dr. Jonathan Brookfield, a professor at Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University, and also, by the way, a researcher at the Fairbanks Center for Chinese Studies at Harvard. Dr. Brookfield, thank you for being with us today. 
Oh, thank you. It's uh, wonderful to be on your show. Thank you for having me. You bet. This is actually perfect timing with uh, with TPP and Donald Trump signing off that it's not going to happen. We're not doing the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I, at first, just just, and I, I'm I'm not sure if you were even ready for this, but I'd love your insight. What does uh, the United States not opting into TPP do with the relationship with China? Um, well, that's an interesting question, and I, I will admit at the time uh, when I wrote my article, uh, I did not see uh, this particular outcome for American politics. Uh, but uh, the TPP, uh, the, the, the agreement itself actually uh, did didn't include yeah. China, uh, not initially uh, anyways. And so uh, one might say at one level uh, it shouldn't have any effect on the People's Republic of China. Um, but that's uh, missing a kind of a larger picture, which is within the, the Asia region, uh, there are a number of different trade deals that are constantly being discussed and negotiated. Uh, and the TPP, of, uh, especially under the Obama administration, was kind of the American authoring in the region. Uh, and uh, Beijing had its, has its own uh, trade negotiations, hope for trade agreement. Uh, and probably the net result is uh, Beijing's trade agreement will probably make some progress. But that, you know, that's devils in the deep. Mm. Well, so will it give an advantage then to China that would be a larger advantage to China than if the United States had been involved in TPP? Uh, in, a, uh, in a way, they've had a two-pronged uh, trade approach in Asia. They've had their 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 own agreement uh, followed by potentially a kind of um, Asia-Pacific economic uh, 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 agreement, APEC agreement coming later, uh, that process is kind of, uh, that two-pronged process is kind of the only game in town. Hmm. Uh, so probably prospects are improved for them. Man, perfect timing to have you on the show. Um, one of the things I, I loved about uh, what I was learning in the article you wrote, how Western companies can succeed in China, everybody seemed to want to get in, right? It was the big market. It's where every, it's where a lot of the growth and the economic growth would be. And then it seemed like companies got in, but they, for some reason, Uber, for example, has just recently got out, I guess. Um, uh, KFC, Yum Brands, Pizza Hut that owns KFC and Pizza Hut, they're moving out. Coca-Cola wants to renegotiate or re-franchise its companies, I mean. So, if it's such a great opportunity, is is China a very easy partner to work with, to get in and, and to create a business in? Well, it's just it's an amazing story uh, that just goes on and on, right? Uh, in a in a phrase, I guess uh, uh, one is the the China dream, Zhongguomeng, and uh, and that idea. I mean, you can go back to sort of England in the 1800s notions that if we could just get everyone to lengthen their shirt tails by a foot in China, we could keep the, uh, our, 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 our mills working round the clock. So that, that was, you know, 1800s England had kind of a China dream. Uh, and then in the 30s in the United States, there was a Carl Crow who, you know, said the same thing roughly, but with respect to kind of uh, patent medicines. If I could just have lots of people in China interested in my product, how rich we would be. That was kind of the 1930s business China dream. And, and we've seen that, you know, in more recent years as well. So it's a, it's a longstanding dream. It's just been, you know, difficult to achieve. Is, I mean, it seems like it, there, it could be a lot of things, cultural, but political. Um, is, 
so what what's driving Uber, for example, to pull out? I mean, they're not pulling out empty-handed. They're making money on the deal. Um, is, is it – many have argued that all China does is they kind of lure you in. They get you into the country. Then they take your training. They take your tech. They take your information and then they find a way to squeeze you out. Well, I mean – a question of, of of kind of joint venture agreements. It's not just with China, but but uh, in many cases, uh, what you can end up with when you have partners is you've got uh, essentially a learning race. Uh, the reason you partner is you you send, tend to see the other side having some things that you wish you had, uh, mm-hmm. and and doing it together uh, means you can tend to do it a little faster than if you had to generate everything yourself. Um, so that's that's the typical nature of cooperation is each side has something the other wants. That's why people get involved in the first first place. Uh, but, you know, kind of you know, one implication of that is oftentimes uh, you end up in a learning race. Both sides want to see if they can acquire the resource that brought them to their partner in the first place. Hmm. Uh, and if the other side is doing a better job learning than you are, then, as you say, uh, one of the one of the results can be uh, uh, one partner feels squeezed out over time. Boy, that's a. I, I guess though, in the end, like for example, Uber, they they were pushed out by their their big competitor, um, except yeah. they still ended up keeping a seventeen eighteen percent stake in the combined company. Well, in their case, that I, they were playing a complicated chessboard. I think that wasn't just China. Uh, they uh, they were thinking about how they were going to be raising money uh, globally, and uh, before they did the deal with their competitor in China, uh, they had to um, uh, they they had to uh, well they knew quite clearly they had been spending a lot of money in China, uh, and some had said oh well they had, you know so they had they had spent two billion dollars uh, trying to build a competitive position in China so that's that's a lot of money to spend in a country. Uh, they had, by some reckonings, established maybe a, uh, an asset worth worth eight billion dollars. Uh, so that's you know that's that's not bad. No. Uh, but when they were going to try and raise money, not just in China but worldwide, um, I'm sure some of the potential investors were saying, "Boy, that's a lot of cash, two billion over the last uh, last bit uh, to be spending to establish a position in China uh, by doing this deal." Uh, then investors didn't have to worry about that cash bleed. Hmm. Uh, so, so not only did they have to think about what are we going to have as our China position, and then end up with a, something between 15 and 20 percent stake in in in, the, in their competitor. Uh, what they did there also probably had implications for their overall company worldwide. Okay. What um, so. What 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 are some of the keys to these Western companies succeeding in China? How, what what should the play be? Partnering is it? Should the play just be in the end to you know get a piece of the action, uh, even if it's not under their brand? What's the best well, this, play? This, no, this this is sort of what brought me to the research as well. Is uh, you know recognizing the two parts to the story: one being conscious of kind of the China dream and just seeing. Uh, how fast and how how quickly uh, China's economy had developed, uh, and then also noticing that while many have talked about it as kind of a 
a case of East Asian industrialization, that it had a, a couple distinctive features, one being uh, a general openness to inbound foreign direct investment, having foreign investment coming into the country. Uh, and that made it a story uh, considerably different from, say, a Japan or a South Korea. Uh, so, so trying to understand, you know, how what what that meant uh, was interesting to me. And uh, the things to keep in mind is uh, the kind of story that we've been talking about. This kind of China dream idea is the notion that ultimately, for a foreign company, uh, there is a market in China uh, that 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 a company could do very well in. Uh, but when you look at the actual foreign investment in China, there are probably uh, two things to keep in mind, at least. Uh, the first is, while China has been quite open to foreign investment, uh, a fair portion of that foreign investment uh, has come from the Chinese diaspora uh, and from places like Hong Kong and Taiwan. And so the the foreignness of foreign investment in China is possibly a little bit less than one might think of from the first figures. Yeah. Uh, and then the second part is uh, a good amount of that investment ultimately has gone into things like assembly operations uh, for products that are made in China, workshop to the world, but ultimately sold in other places. And so there are some wonderful business models where companies have made good money having assets in China. But it hasn't always been because uh, they're looking to China as their final market. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I guess, too, I mean, the economy there is so different than here. Now, hasn't the economy been slowing more for China? And, and aren't they struggling a little bit more economically than they were even a few years ago where growth was so abundant? Well, and this, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, there there have in the last uh, decade, two decades, you've seen growth rates of you know over 10 percent at times. Uh, and so, if you're thinking double-digit growth, mm. then say this last year coming in at between six and seven percent, uh, that's a bit slower than it has been. That's still past. amazing. But right, if you're used to two or three percent growth as a good year, you know uh, it still seems to have you know, some promise. Mm. Well, let's do this. Let's take a break. We're speaking with Dr. Jonathan Brookfield. He is walking us through how Western companies can succeed in China. We hear a lot from uh, the new president, um, Donald Trump, about China, and he's pushing back on China. He's already getting into the politics of them uh, building, you know, islands in the South China Seas and uh, some of the crazy goings on there. But uh, when we come back, we'll continue the discussion, find out what businesses can do to succeed. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us is Dr. Jonathan Brookfield. He is an adjunct associate professor at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University. He's also an associate in research at the Fairbanks Center for Chinese Studies at Harvard. And he's walking us through an article he wrote um, about the success of Western companies in China, how Western companies can succeed there. And we're honored again to have you, Dr. Brookfield. Uh, One of the things I'm thinking about, Donald Trump's, you know, he's he's 
talked about how China is taking advantages of the United States in many ways, messing with the dollar, the the yen or the dollar, I guess. And um, one of the things I, I'm wondering is what do you foresee a Trump presidency doing to China and the ability for companies to go there and, and make things happen? No, this, that, that's a great question. Uh, and I just I just say up front, uh, every time uh, I've thought about Donald Trump, say, in the past year, uh, in terms of what might happen, uh, and, and I've, 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 been, I've been wrong. So my instincts <laughs> yeah. on, 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 on the nature of Trump and, and what it means and, and what the implications are, uh, just you, you should know, I just my, my instincts are not good on that. Yeah, no, well, and you I know just, what, I think that's, just so you know, that's pretty much what every guest says, because um, you don't know. Well, no, I just I, I just feel humble because, you know, there at least twice over the course of the year during the Republican primaries, during the general election, you know, I yeah. have conversations. People ask, you know, what do you think? <laughs> and uh, in both cases, I was I was flat out wrong. Wow. Uh, so 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 I so I don't I, I, I don't I won't I don't I wouldn't you know, I just I, I don't have special insight. Mm -hmm. uh, and and my instincts have not been, you know, tip top on that question. Does does it? I guess does it? As we look at it, um, because he he does he's pretty direct and blunt about what he says. Do, does the Chinese government handle that well? Are they punitive to businesses? Um, you know, is it is there is there blowback and could there be? Oh, uh, they, there's a history of um, them being aware of their interests and signaling in in sometimes subtle and increasingly uh, visible ways uh, when they like something or dislike something. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I uh, quite quite right. Uh, his rhetoric at times on China has been strong. Uh, I'm sure that Beijing's aware of it. Uh, and I suspect they probably have a more organized list of potential reactions to the way the situation develops uh, than, than Trump's administration might have right now. They're mm. prob probably better organized for their reactions uh, than the Trump administration is uh, for initiating activity. Mm. Uh, I mean, part of that's natural, right? Yeah. This is a new administration. Yeah, a lot of his appointees haven't been even approved yet. Uh, you know, theirs is a, a regime in the midst of, of a leadership uh, well, and you know, uh, later this year they'll have their Congress, but they're they're a functioning administration uh, that's had several years to get their their act uh, together. So, I mean, part of it's natural, but uh, yeah, no, they 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 I think they're pretty clear about their interests, and they're not afraid to um, uh, to to try and protect them. Is it seems like if you're going to go into China and and do business in China, it. It just seems like to me you need resources. You need – it almost seems like the bigger the company you are, the more you can play the long, long game. Like Coca-Cola you talk about. I mean and, and they had many – I mean they were – they got in early, but they, they've had many, many years of it not necessarily being financially worth it or – I mean even a loss. Uh, do, do you need to be a big company to make it work in China? Um, well – uh, if you look at, it, at the different business models, for those that have come often from uh, more regional economies, from 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 the Chinese diaspora, 
actually a lot of that investment's been more small or medium-sized uh, for uh, for sort of a classic Fortune 500 American companies. Then you're looking at large companies, and and they 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 don't have that same ability to sort of operate under the radar, uh, right. and so they probably do need to uh, to approach things a little bit differently. And 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 to some degree, I think they have. And uh, and Coca Cola is an interesting story, exactly. Yeah, tell about it. Because they have, you know, nearly, you know, uh, they have decades of experience going from a promising beginning to flatlining, going to zero. You know, in the with with the communist takeover in the 40s, uh, that that meant nationalization of bottling operations, and and sort of that was it for for a couple decades, and then uh, coming to sort of Chinese uh, the modern economic reform period. Uh, they were, from that perspective, uh, an early mover. Uh, and But one of the nice things about having sort of the Coca-Cola on the one side and General Motors on the other is that um, you can see routes to success both as a Coca-Cola, you might say, early mover, and also GM, which is quite the contrary. They weren't early. They weren't the Beijing, Beijing Jeep of the story. Uh, they were they were sort of a mid-'90s entry uh, into the vehicle sector. And and how are GM? How's GM doing now in China? Uh, GM, uh, by the numbers, has done a terrific job uh, in China. Uh, their vehicle sales are are considerable. Uh, their operations are profitable, uh, and some have I think some have called them sort of general. What is it, General Chow's chicken? <laughs> um, but uh, but 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 uh, you know, a reference to anyways. But yeah. they, they've they've had a they've had a they've had a, a pretty good run in China. Is because um, I mean it's funny too, as I just think of friends that that go to China regularly, and and they do um, they go to they go to have bags made and then they bring them back and they're making incredible money here, and I think and they're just little guys you know just little one man shows that go and and can make a great living and have great relationships over there and partners and um, is it. Is the political culture over there with a communist, you know, led uh, government, is it – it just seems like so tenuous because at any time, can you just lose your deal? Can you lose um, your business, your angle? Well, uh, there, there, there have been a number of commentators who have kind of written on that and one of them, kind of American business journalist, he was like, you know, I had a really hard time uh, writing my stories. Because there were some, there were some success stories, uh, but those that were successful were awfully gun shy, because mm. uh, there was this feeling that uh, if people know how good you have it, uh, then they'll find a way to to to, to maybe uh, tighten the appropriate yeah. something for their share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. So, uh, so yeah. So you don't want to you don't want to shine too big over there. You don't want any. Yeah. Stay under the radar. Yeah, well, I, I think I think it's not just a China story, but but yes, in China as well, uh, it, 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 too much success uh, can create its own set of difficulties. Hmm. Does um, do, do you sense the the communist government strengthening its hold, or I mean, the the, the age old wisdom used to be, it seems like democracy eventually would break down communism and the idea was having hong kong brought back into china would infect the chinese world with democracy and capitalism and is it weakening the communist hold 
Well, uh, there there's there's there've been feelings, expectations that uh with economic reform at some point uh one would also see uh the beginnings of political reform. Uh and in the the PRC case, uh really we haven't seen very much in the way of anything like that uh certainly uh, after Tiananmen and uh, under the current Xi Jinping government uh, if anything, probably it feels like a tightening hmm. on the political side. Uh, so that's yeah, I think that's 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 the the, the question mark. Which is is this an inevitability or is this uh, an an alternative and sustainable model? Uh, and that's that's what people uh, you know think about, worry about, yeah. wonder about. So what would you tell uh, a business forum of leaders? Mid uh, mid size leaders, uh, mid size companies that are thinking of going to China. What what are two or three pieces of advice that you'd give? Uh, well, there 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 are two things that that, that I right at this moment uh, that I'm I'm thinking about. And the first comes out of the work that I was doing, uh, and that's just to to uh, keep in mind that retreat is not necessarily failure, uh, and just because something ends doesn't mean uh, that that was that that was that was an error, mm. uh, and and what you were saying about Uber, we've seen with Bank of America, uh, we've seen in a number of different cases, we've seen with Yahoo. Um, you can uh, there there are ways to do well uh, that don't necessarily mean that you're in a place forever, uh, and so that's that's uh, that's that's one thing to keep in mind that there are a lot of different routes to a kind of uh, financial success. Um, and but in the you know right in the immediate term, uh, I would have a hard time saying, oh, you got to go gangbusters China right now, just because uh, having a new administration. Typically, there's a little testing uh, of a new administration, uh, and how all that's going to play out, especially given some of the more um, bombastic uh, words. Mm. Uh, you just, uh, if you know, for a business that's thinking of you know large-scale capital investments, that's that that's a tough call. Uh, but I'm a, but I'm I'm kind of cautious by nature, so that, yeah. that probably is part of it too. Well, yeah, and but it's it's a really interesting moment in history. <laughs> so a very pro-business leader uh, president that's bombastic and says stuff that we might you know that eventually have to that people are listening to. So. Interesting stuff. We appreciate you. Dr. Jonathan Brookfield, thank you for your great uh, work, your time, and uh, we will uh, continue to look for more of your advice about China looking forward. We'll take a break, friends. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, um, so we talk about China. We talk about business. Samsung came out. um, Not that they're China. But Samsung came out. South Korea. Yeah. They came out talking about the fact that they're giving all the explanations as to what happened to the Note 7. Battery bad. Bad battery. Does it – does that – does it matter? Um, I I mean – it, it seems it give, like it gives the idea that they're a responsible corporate 
entity. entity. Okay, yeah, that's if you f- finish the story because they they said, well, no, they never had a report, an actual report of what was the cause of this happening, and the FC the. Um, the Federal Trade Commission yeah, would FTC. require them to have some sort of investigation. Okay, so if that's they're just sell their, a product that's here. their report. Yeah. All we want is an apology and free data for life. <laughs> Absolutely, is that too much to ask? Am I? Yeah, is that too demanding? Okay, that's good because yeah, they're just you know crossing the t's, dotting the i's, yeah. telling you what you already knew: battery bad, mm. bad battery. No, they tell you like insulation and you know. Connectors and transistors and do doohickeys. And, I mean, it's a you know, big. When you think about what they created, even if it catches on fire, it's still pretty amazing. What's bad is the phone. Apparently, was awesome. Yeah, the they, phone was something. They always that are. Many no, no. Many people were saying it was uh, finally something that surpassed the iPhone. Really. And then, of course, it melts down. And this is the year that the iPhone or yeah. Apple puts out an iPhone, which was just a basic. Yeah, just Upgrade. a boring. They just took away the headphone jack, apparently. Well, and took a lot of people off. But you can't even light a fire with your Apple phones, right? Yeah, so I'm they, going camping. Do do either of you have a notebook seven that I can take with me? Cuddle with all night. So they had an opportunity, and ugh, yeah. the battery blasted. You know Literally. how they could have solved it? They could have also made it one of those phones that is uh, waterproof too. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Saw a story yesterday. Guy in Russia. Yeah. Dropped his iPhone 7 in, like, he was ice fishing, I think, or something. He dropped his phone in the water, but it was too far down for just to reach down and get it. So they had to wait till a friend came with scuba gear to go down in the water and get it because it's like 39 degrees. And it's waterproof? 13 hours it sat in the frigid water. And it, they said it went in with like 35% charge. It came out with 19% charge. Unbelievable. So it, it, it slowed everything down. And then the phone was enough, uh, waterproof enough that it kept everything secure. Contained. And they turned it on. They, they pulled it out, turned it on, and the phone's fine. I'm going to cry. Don't try this at home. If it had been a Note 7, though. But everyone knows the, the Russian iPhones are a much hardier breed of iPhone. Well, yeah. So. that's Russians are into everything. <laughs> Those Russians. Um well, we were going to talk about drones, but now we're not. Well, it's okay. We'll save it. I mean, just know that there's new drones coming out. New drones. You got to pay attention. We'll talk about it next hour. This uh, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. And what we do in this program is we give you the information, the tools you need to make it through life. You weren't given an owner's manual, right, when you were born, so you got to figure it out on your own. Today, we've got so much to talk about. We will be speaking about how to feel unique in a big world. You know, today, in fact, uh, the Academy Award nominations were announced, and a lot of people are like, ah, see, I can't dance. I'm not Meryl Streep. That's what Jeff was saying. (laughs) Jeff... He does voices. He's incredibly talented, but he's not an Academy Award winning actor yet. I'm going to start a hashtag on Twitter. What is it? Uh, Oscar's so uh, 
non-Jeff Simpson. <laughs> Don't be sad, Jeff. We want to shorten that up for a hashtag. That's a long hashtag. Might have exceeded the maximum number of characters I'm allowed. <laughs> We've got a lot to cover today. We will talk about how you can feel unique in such a big world, um, you know, which will make you feel a little happier. Also, we'll be doing um, a little interview with Shik Shumway. Actually, Shik will be doing the interview. Shik is our man on the street. Uh, he's in charge of what we call empty news. The Matt Townsend News. Matt Townsend News. Empty News. He is our lead correspondent in Empty News. Nobody brings us more empty news than Shik Shumway. And nobody's more upset about him being the lead correspondent than Ron Brokaw. Ron Brokaw, Tom Brokaw's distant cousin. Great man. Do we have a report off to see who's the lead? Ooh. We ought to. Report. Dueling reporters. No, 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 no. We ought to do that. Yeah. Jeffrey, get ready for that. <laughs> Put that on your calendar. Uh, we'll get to all of that fun. Plus, of course... Uh, more news that uh, just headlines. We, we we try to help everybody here on the Matt Townsend Show, including some criminals. Um, we will give some advice about where not to set a fire. If you if you were thinking of setting a fire in your underarm and your armpit, mm. we will would highly discourage it. We will S- sage advice. Right we will there. share a story with you why you ought not be doing that. And uh, we'll also get to. Um, so we have to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think we wouldn't need to. You'd think we wouldn't need to. But also, don't be careful. If you're going to rob something, a store or something, don't leave your DNA on pizza. Mm. Those are some of the fun headlines we'll be covering in just a minute. But first, let's get to the real headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country? President Donald Trump's been hard at work. Yesterday, he signed three executive orders in his first full weekday of his presidency. Following through with a campaign promise, Trump signed an order to withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership. He signed an order imposing a hiring freeze on all federal workers, except for the military. He additionally reinstated the Mexico City policy. Do you know what that is? No. The Me- I don't know why it's called the Mexico City policy. It's probably for, oh, I do know what it is. Okay. It, okay. it restricts non-governmental organizations that receive U.S. federal funding from providing abortions abroad. $600 million would go abroad to organizations that might fund an abortion. Right. I knew what that was, too, by the way. And now it's been pulled out. They, they call it the Mexico City Accord. I don't know. Yeah. But they Probably where it, when it originated yeah. had to do but with it's something really happening about, yeah. Now, the part I found kind of ridiculous is that every Republican president since former President Ronald Reagan has reinstated the Mexico City policy, which Democrats have repeatedly repealed. When they assume office. So this is something that goes oh, in and goes out. Yeah. Goes in and goes out. This is just gamesmanship yeah. with pro-life, pro-choice. Okay. Okay. Whatever. On Monday evening, the Senate voted 66 to 32 to confirm Mike Pompeo as a conservative congressman from Kansas as the CIA director. His responsibilities will include managing the global spy network and improving the contentious relationship between the agency and the president, who the president says isn't contentious at all and was crafted by the media. Okay. Who read his tweets and reported on what he said about the CIA? So, it's not contentious. Whatever. He's always been a friend. Former ExxonMobil CEO Rex Tillerson nominated Secretary of State, passed his congressional committee by an 11 to 10 vote, a straight party line vote. Mm. So mm. He, yeah. didn't, he, didn't, he didn't win over everyone, but he won over enough. He'll go to the uh, full Senate, which will take up the nomination. He'll pass there. Also, 
Uh, President Trump says he will keep James Comey as the head of the FBI. Okay. Oh, wow. That's big news. And this is happening now. Speaker Paul Ryan says he has invited the president to address a joint session of Congress next month. Really? So, all those things. Auto industry executives had their first meeting with President Donald Trump on Tuesday. They've already started, uh, have long been pondering how they'll work with the new president. The Wall Street Journal reported Monday that instead of spending the end of 2016 preparing for the new year ahead, the auto industry was focused on getting ready for the Trump administration. Many execs were rereading his books, trying Mm. to figure out how to get inside the man's head, figure out how he negotiates, what's going on. Union bosses are being called in to consult on how to reshuffle factory work. Board members are trying to figure out uh, who has friends in in President Donald Trump's new administration, see if they can get an edge there. Also, task force task forces have been put together to <coughs> monitor. Uh, oh, don't get emotional. You're fine. Excuse me. Trump's Twitter account. So they put together teams to go in and, like I was talking about, some of the tech companies yeah. who are getting people up at three in the morning to yeah. see what he tweets. <laughs> well, the auto company's doing the same thing because everyone's <laughs> terrified they're going to become a target on Twitter. Oh, that's scary. and it says Trump's tweeting in particular is a concern for auto industry executives, as many admit they're not familiar. With the social platform. <laughs> because they're all old guys. They don't sit there on Twitter Look at their Twitter thing. So that's interesting. And finally, a US, the U.S. military launched 103 miniature swarming drones from a fighter jet during a test in California last oh, week. Oh, wow. The three FA-18 Super Hornet jets were used to release the uh, drones, and this was actually in October they did this. The drones, which have a wingspan of 12 inches, operate autonomously and share a distributed brain. Weird. So it's like a it's like a it's like a pack of drones, but they share one common brain. Yeah, and they have one probably purpose or goal, and they just attack it differently. Military analysts said the devices able to dodge air defense systems will likely be used for surveillance. Holy cow! So you drop one hundred of these devices out of an airplane; they all group together and fly around as this swarm, and they get tasked. By whatever computer. It seems like all you would need is some pulse of electro whatever, and then you just bring them all down. I mean, I just think I just solved that. I just solved it. If you know they're there, they're 12 inches long. I totally just fixed it. You just shoot them with the pulse. They won't show up on radar. How would you know they're there? Well, you find out through the spy network. (laughs) Oh, okay. And then you shoot, you just shoot a pulse at them, and then yeah. they'll just fall from the sky. And then Timmy will bring one in from the backyard. <laughs> Mommy, what's this? And the next thing you know, you got a spy satellite, you know, at family dinner. Nice. But that's a great that that would be a great movie. Great movie. Speaking of great movies, Academy Award nominations were today, and you can't. You're giddy. I Jeff Simpson loves the movies. He's absolutely – he's been talking about this day forever, for as for months. And yet I've probably only seen a handful of these movies. I know. There's a lot of movies that I'm not even I, – I feel bad because I, I don't know. And it seems like there's a lot of people being nominated. Are there more categories than normal? Um, I don't know. I think like it seems like there's a lot of weird categories for dumb, not no, I shouldn't say dumb, but for things you wouldn't know you'd win an award for. Hmm. I don't know. I just was looking down the list. It just seems to keep going and going. It's I, funny cuz the movies that you have seen, yeah, 
that were nominated you didn't even like. I didn't like La La Land. And you didn't care that much for Florence Foster Jenkins, did you? Uh, I liked it, but I I mean, I didn't think it was incredible. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I thought La La Land just had one law too many. Know what I mean? Could have just been La Land. Actually, isn't it called L.A. L.A. Land? It's that's why it's going to win. I I will. I'm a betting man that will bet. L.A. L.A. Land is going to get a lot of a lot of awards simply because it's all about L.A. It's all about every actor's life, and then they throw a little music into it. They throw some traffic, and they throw people dancing through traffic and singing through traffic, and life is good. You're a monster. <laughs> Sorry for ruining the surprise but you'll see it when you see it um so as 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 you know with the academy award nominations being announced today la la land tied the record for the most nominations with 14 wow meryl streep was nominated for her 20th acting nomination wow which is interesting because again according to donald trump She's not a great actress. No. So she's super lucky. But as you know, Donald Trump doesn't like to pay attention to the numbers. Right. How many people may or may not have shown no, up. He doesn't. Yeah. He's, it's not about numbers or ratings. So because of this, we saw a surge in nominations for people of color as well. That was, some, that was one of the big complaints we had last year. And they made some changes. And it's, it's, so it's, it's really an interesting group of um, nominees. Shik Shumway, our roving reporter for Empty News, is live with us in Los Angeles with one of the lucky nominees. I'm so excited to see who he would not tell us who it is or what category they're in. But uh, Shik, who, who have you got there with you? Immediately following the broadcast, I recorded phone interviews with some of this year's biggest nominees, including Ryan Gosling and Casey Affleck. However, in an effort to present you with something completely different, since everyone will be airing interviews with those two stars, here's a nominee from one of the lesser-known Academy Award categories. Franz Volstein is nominated for Best Catering for a Live-Action Documentary Short Subject in the Vegan Kosher Light Lunch category. Congratulations on your nomination. Thank you, Sheik. This is a big day for caterers, kosher and non-kosher alike. What was your reaction to the big news this morning? Well, to tell you the truth, I didn't hear about it until my catering agent called me up and told me himself. I was a little disappointed. Some of my perhaps more deserving colleagues weren't nominated. For instance, they didn't nominate Philippe Papillon, who catered for the film My Life as a Mayfly. Or George Leibowitz, who was a caterer for the film Documentary, The Documentary. I'd say the news was rather bittersweet. Bittersweet? Can you tell us what you mean by that? Well, it really is an absolute thrill to be nominated. However, I won't actually be in the Dolby Theatre main concert hall for the award ceremony, since I'll be the caterer for the event. The catering award will be handed out prior to the main event at a luncheon, which I'm also catering. You know, this really underscores Hollywood's consistently reckless behavior towards caterers. 
They hand out these awards willy-nilly, and then all of a sudden it's okay for actors to belittle us with angry tirades and obscene requests like making their meals kosher and halal. Well, if I win, I'm going to have a thing or two to say about that. Uh, excuse me. Congratulations on your nomination. Uh, Miss Isel, Jan Isel, you're nominated for Best Singer in a Foreign Movie Review. How do you feel? Hmm. I, I thought maybe he would have somebody a little well, he more prominent. Had, he interviewed Ryan Gosling. And Gosling? Yeah. Gosling. And he Where's that interview? I don't know. So he interviewed Ryan, but he instead gets us the best caterer for a short something. Documentary short subject. Vegan and kosher meal. Light meal. Yeah. <sighs> so now, And then there's also... Chick. Best zinger in a foreign movie review category? Yeah. Huh. I I just got to tell you, uh, I know he's trying. I know he's trying because he had some good interviews. But he, he didn't – it didn't seem like he brought us his best interview. Do you think he should be reimbursed for that trip? No. No. So when he turn, who's going to handle him when you, he tries to turn you, in the receipts? You need to talk to him. You do, Jeffrey. He's he's your relative. I hate to keep going there with that, but I don't really work in the accounting department, though. You or, know what? None of us do. None of us do, Jeff. And so, if he had if he had brought us Ryan Gosling, I would have paid out of my pocket for his really, travel. yeah. Tell him that. Tell him that. Just, Casey Affleck? Yeah, either one. Is he worth the same? Mm-hmm. Anyone but the catering guy who can't even get the award because he's catering the luncheon where he's going to – he was supposed to get the award. So in your eyes, all <sighs> nominees are not equal. No. I mean because I'm, I'm betting that the caterer made significantly a different amount of money. I didn't see his work on the screen. I didn't see it there. So it's not just about money. It's about I didn't see his work. Now, if he wants to bring us some food, hmm. I'm more than willing to evaluate you know, his Oscar. Do you think there's going to be some complaining? Oh, yeah. Still? I mean, from because now Oscars aren't as white as they were last year. But they're still like 60% white. But see, the minute it's about black or white, I think then it's it's about black or white instead of it being about the art. Now, I get it. They had to balance the – they have to balance the academy. That's – not – it has to be fair. It really has to be representative, right? You know – Because if this were the case – Women would be winning 50 percent. So we really ought to be complaining about women not winning enough Oscars than men. But Chris Rock, who hosted last year's award ceremony, actually said, why do we even have best actor and best actress? Right. Like, why do we separate those two? Well, because you have to or, you know, the women would just dominate. Meryl Streep would be taking it over because Tom Hanks didn't get anything this time. Poor Tom Hanks. We just watched Sully last night. Sully's great. Sully's been on the show twice. Really? Sully Sullivan. Mm. He's incredible. Been on the show twice. And they didn't, I mean, come on. That guy. Now that guy, 
He alone needs an Oscar. Yeah. He saved all these lives. He should have executive produced that film, although that film wasn't nominated, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. See what you get. See what you get. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk about personal identity, how to be unique in a world where no one feels special. You know, some just think you need an Academy Award to feel special, but there are other ways that the rest of us average folks can can find something that's not so average about us. Stick with us. Jesse Shepard is up next. Welcome back, friends, to the show. Uh, today, we are, um, in just a minute, going to be talking about how to feel unique in a big world. You got, there's just so many people that you look at and you think, they're so talented. And you wonder if you're ever going to add up. And so we'll, we'll be getting to that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I've noticed that um, there's a lot of Academy Award winning movies that have have won awards in the past that are all out there on Netflix for free. Yeah. And I haven't seen most of them. Like what? Well, Moonstruck. Oh, yes. Which... Moonstruck. Have you seen Moonstruck? No. So, did you know that Cher was an Academy Award winner? I, I did know that. You did know that. Uh-huh. Did you know it was for Moonstruck? No, I did not know that. Did you know the, the year or the director? No and no. Okay. See, those little details, I try not to keep in my little head. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, but they stick there for some reason. But I'm thinking I could go watch an Academy Award winning actress or film for free instead of – because I'm always waiting for something to watch. It's exciting. I know. I mean you basically – you almost have like 100 years of Oscar winning films. If you wait long enough, right. you can just watch them all for free that's on right. Netflix. Hello. Just like you said. Yeah. Hello. So what are some others? So you know, you mentioned that's on Netflix, but that was also, also a movie that started out at the Sundance Film Festival, which is happening this weekend I up in Park City. I did not know that. Yeah. And so a lot of these uh, Sundance films go on to win Oscars. So I've got a list here of some other films that started out at the Sundance Film okay. Festival – and then went on to win Oscars. Did you ever see a little film called The Usual Suspects? Uh, no, I don't think so. It won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for Kevin Spacey, his first of two Oscars, <gasps> okay. by the way. It's a great mystery film, one of the greatest mystery movies of all time. Okay, I'm looking it up right now so um, I can very quickly go, oh, yes, I haven't seen this. So that was in 1996. In 2000... A, an actress named Hilary Swank, mm-hmm. ring any bells? Yes. Became the first actor from Beverly Hills 90210 to win an Oscar. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I don't know why I say the first. I don't think there were any other yeah, I'm like, were there Oscar winners from 90210. <laughs> but she's actually won two Oscars. One for Boys yeah, Don't Cry. And the boxing one. And one for Million Dollar Baby. Million yeah. Dollar Baby. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 2006, Hustle and Flow for Best Original Song. It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp. Really? I think I saw... Don't you have that on your phone? No. Oh, okay. Hustle and Flow. I think I saw that. That not that a... I saw that on a... It was a commercial for a pharmaceutical company. <laughs> I don't Side remember effects, the product, may include, but it was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 2000, Hustle and Flow. 
2006 was a big year for Sundance. In an inconvenient truth, won yes. best documentary. That's Al Gore. Yes, he didn't win an Oscar because he, you know, he wasn't. Well, yeah, his yeah. acting is horrible. But this year at Sundance, yeah. there's the sequel to an inconvenient truth. And apparently, he had to write, he had to adjust the truth. Yeah, it was less convenient. Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I think this one is actually about a convenience store. So it's called oh, yeah, that's an inconvenience store. 7-Eleven. Yeah. Uh, also in 2006, Little Miss Sunshine, oh, which yeah. you saw. That was great. Won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for Alan Arkin. Mm-hmm. 2009, this is probably the best documentary I've ever seen. Man on Wire won Best Documentary Feature. Man on Wire? This is the man <gasps> oh, that that's great. walked on. on the wire across, yeah. like between no. the Twin Towers. Uh-huh. But that was a Sundance film? Yeah, it started there. Unbelievable. Started there. So the crazy thing about this movie, he the, the, the man who did this, re, he tells a lot of the story, and he's so animated. What's crazy about the story for me, though, is you're watching it on screen. Yeah. And yet... Your brain can't function what what's going on. What's yeah. going on? You can't you fathom. Can't. It's it's not believable, right? But it really happened. It was true. It's crazy. No, I I did not know that that was a Sundance film. Okay, that's uh, cool. 2015 Boyhood mm-hmm. won an, an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. That's the one where the director filmed portions of the movie over the period of 12 years as this That's boy right. was growing That's up. That's right. Oh, no. So, oh, yeah. That was mm-hmm. really good. Did you see it? No, that. but I saw all the previews. The actor yes. that had to be through go through that for 12 years. Well, it's not on Netflix, so you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, 2015 also, mm-hmm. Whiplash. And it's not a documentary about... Uh, Sounds horrible. Yeah. Isn't that about <laughs> attorneys that chase ambulances? <laughs> It's about drumming, actually. Really? Drumming. J.K. Simmons won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. He's also from the Farmer's Insurance commercials. We are farmers. Bum, ba-dum, bum, 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 bum. That was good. See? And Terry would recognize J.K. Simmons from the Spider-Man movies. I know. Don't get Terry started. And he's also going to be Commissioner Gordon in the newest uh, DC Movies. See, I'm glad you so, bring us this little pop culture moment. Movies that go to Sundance Film Festivals go on to win awards. And right now, it's just starting. What, like two or three weeks of Sundance everywhere? I don't think and it's that long. Isn't it? it two weeks? I don't know. And if you live in Utah, you can. They're all over the place. You see, you can go up and see stars. We have all my friends are taking pictures with stars. So uh, wait until they come on Netflix. That's right. So wait five years. You know, or just go see Moonstruck. I don't know. I don't even know if that's a good movie. So don't go see it. I don't know what it's. I don't. I don't know what it's about. Fun stuff, folks. Stick with us. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about how to be unique. How to find that special thing that you need to bring to this world. And if you don't, no one's going to have it. But by Jesse Shepard, she'll be with us, walking us through finding your unique self. Stick with us. In a world filled with Instagram selfies and Facebook likes, it can be easy to get lost, can't it? We are told that in order to be successful, we need to be well-liked, innovative, unique. And with so many demands on our time and sometimes unrealistic expectations, how is it that we are supposed to stand out? 
Joining us is Jesse Shepard. She's a mental health therapist at Blue Clover Therapy. She's here with us this morning to talk about uh, how we can find confidence in a world where nobody really feels so special. Jesse, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. This, this is, is a big deal because I, I see it with our teens, with our kids. And we, we were talking about the Oscars. Mm-hmm. So all these people have found their unique gift. They'd all say they struggled. They finally made it. They're big league now. But I have a friend that says they don't even know if they have their unique talent. They don't know what sets them apart and makes them unique because their talent may not be this overt, obvious thing that everyone cheers for. Mm -hmm. So how do we how do we find our unique identity? Well, that's the thing. We don't have to have some sort of like special talent or be the star of some team or anything. We can be unique and be special with some very special characteristics. So um, number one, experiences, very, very important. And you want to um, make sure you get kind of some worldly knowledge. And business owners like to see this. They like to see that you have lived a life um, other than just going to school, you know, getting your degrees well, and all of that. That's I med school. Uh, friends of mine trying to get into med school, and you've got to have your MCAT scores. You've got to have great grades. Mm-hmm. But you also have to have unique experiences. They want to see people that have volunteered. They yes. want to see people that have traveled abroad, that are that are good with diversity and manage diversity. And um, experience – but it's interesting. Experience is something anyone can obtain. Absolutely. Like before I became a mental health counselor, I worked on an ambulance for eight years. And I learned a ton of things that you can't learn in school or just doing the same job for yeah. years and years. And so having that – you know, those special um, skills that I have, I use those every single day in counseling. And so really, if you have those things, that's really what makes you unique. It makes you stand out of the crowd where you're like, hey, I had this career. I did these amazing things. And now I can apply it to this new career. And I guess it could be any kind of experience because your ambulance gave you diversity of experience. Mm-hmm. But I guess travel could too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, education, I guess, could too. Uh-huh. Um, just your history. Yes. Or even, even honestly, a handicap uh-huh. or a disability or anything that sets you off as different. Absolutely, because your view, let's say that you um, are hearing impaired. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see and experience life differently. Mm-hmm. And so if you can use those things, those experiences in your new business, career, job, it definitely it makes you better at well, it. Well, it's powerful because then all of a sudden you can be unique because of what seems to make you different. Yes. Instead of thinking you're less than, you you are you're unique. Yeah, and you want to be. We we spend a lot of time trying to fit in and be part of the crowd and you know wear all the same clothes and everything. Yeah. We don't need to do that. That we need to stand out. We need to be who we are. So true. Give us another one. Another uh, another kind of unseen but super important way to identify where we're special or unique would be. Creativity. Creativity, yes. So um, Adobe and uh, Forrester Consulting actually did this really neat study where they found that most big businesses love to see uh, or or believe that creativity and business results 
um, or go hand in hand. Mm. And so when we think of that, we think of Google, um, even In-N-Out Burger. Like yeah. everything's very fun and they're singing and all uh-huh. of this, you know. And it really does. It makes you want to go to your job. And it really – you want to look at problems in different ways because if we're all solving them the same way, you're not being innovative. No, it's so true. Yeah. So, I mean – so really you want to, to figure out the uh, back door, the window, the different ways of solving different things. And you need to do that. You need to be creative. And it seems like corporate America is spending more and more money to create workplaces that are more creative or allow – for your differences, like yes. hey, you can throw a basketball around. Yeah. <laughs> in the, I mean, it's it's. I, I walked into a place that has foosball. They have, and this was in Silicon Valley, but mm-hmm. they they have pet walkers, so you can bring your dog, and they'll go walk your dog mm-hmm. if you're in a meeting. Um, you can make your own brand of coffee. You can mix your own bag of candy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like everything about it is do it your way. Do it yes. your way. I mean, even just down to uh, having snacks <laughs> in yeah. the office, you know, you ke- you're keeping people happy. You're keeping people there and they're engaged. Mm-hmm. We don't want that brain to turn off. We want it to keep working. Well, and creativity is, again, I, I can you see it in Hollywood. You see it in movie stars. It's kind of the prototypical star we laugh about, the the one that's so eccentric because they're always so creative. Mm-hmm. But then every person making a meme <laughs> or everybody that's, you know, retweeting a picture and then adding their own little unique thing on the picture, mm-hmm. it's creativity. It is. Absolutely. It's taking what you have available to you and seeing it in a different light. That's cool. So, yeah. So experiences add a uniqueness, makes us feel different and special. Creativity does too. You also mentioned being self-aware. Yes. So um, we oftentimes, if we're uncomfortable with ourselves, we spend a lot of time trying to ignore who we are and what we're doing, kind of our quirky things, yeah. right? Pretend like they're not there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And And going back to, we spend a lot of time trying to fit in. And we should not do that. We yeah. need to be our own person. And we actually, when we are our own person and we kind of find people in our same kind of quirky things, we feel like we belong more and we feel um, more capable. I mean, just so many wonderful things. We're healthier. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, if you love Star Wars, go find other Star Wars people. You know, if you love, I don't know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, sure. What's that <laughs> called when you go dress up, Jeff? Uh, like Comic-Con. Yeah, Comic-Con. <laughs> What's that? What are that called? A role play? Uh, oh, cosplay. 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 So yes. these guys that are cosplaying, I always think, oh, those people are crazy. But really, what they are is they're just—they're very aware of what they love, and they're being creative. Yeah, and, and they're, they're being them. They're being them. Yes, and and that's, that's cool. The, that's the neat part about yeah. it. Yeah, and we there's more and more of. I mean, you could do that. In so many different – because there are so many different groups now. Oh, yes. You can just get online and find groups in your neighborhood that just love to go on hikes. Well, that's the neat part about the internet is you can find kind of your little clique. Whereas maybe in you know middle school, high school, you kind of feel like you don't fit in. Yeah, you may not fit it because there may not be yeah. a cosplay clique. Yeah, there might there not be <laughs> – yeah, exactly. And so you can find those folks and then it's usually a little easier once you get into college as everybody you know, branches off into their different yeah. stuff. So, But then you find your clique. You belong and you feel – you feel better. Well, and being self-aware, um, I guess, helps you ease into your unique traits. Like I didn't know I was a high-sensitive person f- till I was 40. Oh, but really? I, I yeah. battled it my whole life because I didn't know that 
such a thing. I mean, I knew it existed in a general term. I didn't know it existed in the way that, but it's enhanced my career. It's enhanced everything I do. Mm-hmm. At times, it felt like a pain in the neck because why? Why do I care about that? Why am I the only guy in the football huddle that notices everyone's breath? Yeah, <laughs> it drive. It yes. was driving me crazy. Yeah, but if I were more self-aware in picking that up earlier, mm-hmm. it it. it probably would have added more to my life to see it as a strength instead of a a weakness. Absolutely. And it it definitely works on our self-esteem because the more we accept ourselves, the more we feel better about ourselves. It's beautiful. Um, let's do let's do a break. Take a break and we'll come back. We're going to continue talking with Jesse Shepherd. You can find out more about Jesse at bluecloverthepy.com. Uh, a great resource for counseling and she's an, a writer as well. She's written many articles that uh, you can get access to there. Stick with us, folks. We're helping you see the good in the world and be the good in the world. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. Joining us in studio is Jesse Shepard. Jesse is a licensed uh, mental health counselor and owner of Blue Clover Therapy in Salt Lake City. She also uh, writes a a blog and has a lot of um, wonderful articles on FamilyShare.com. The one we're talking about today is Seven Ways to Be Unique in a World Where No One Feels Special. Again, Academy Awards comes out. They all seem to feel so special. But a lot of it's an illusion, right? Because we always think everyone else has their act together but deep down, they may not have some of the things you were talking about last uh, before the break. They may not have all the experiences or the creativity. They may not be self-aware. Mm-hmm. So we can't assume that just because someone's famous or rich or, you know, has a family that they're happy, healthy. Oh, no. And the thing is with, I mean, just mental health in general, everyone is coping with something. And so there's this big stigma. Oh, they have depression, anxiety, all of that. Yeah. But every single person on this planet is coping with something and we just need to be kinder about that <laughs> yeah and 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 then and almost accept our own stuff that we're coping with instead of kind of making it the awful part of who we are a lot of these things that make us unique could be actually coming from a trial we have absolutely and that's the neat thing you want to embrace who you are and it might be some of those difficult things that come up that you're like, why am I this way? But you can use that in good ways. And sure. uh, so you've already mentioned experiences can help us feel unique, creativity, being self-aware. Another one is just working hard. Yes. That's something you can you yourself can always do. And so, some people are incredibly good at just working hard. Sure. Some people are just naturally just awesome at you know, they may not even be good at what they're doing, but they're they'll work hard enough to get good at it. Well, and that's the key is you might not be the most talented person at yeah. something. You might not be maybe even the best fit. But if you work really hard and you do your research and you and you just, you know, keep at it, really that's the important piece. Right. And you learn those things as we, you know, get those jobs that we don't necessarily enjoy all the time or, you know, those classes that are really rough to deal with. You really learn how to just con- to how to be re- resilient and how to just keep pushing forward. Mm. And it I guess if you become if you become a hard worker and you are creative, the combination of two of these seems like it could create a whole new synergy. Oh, absolutely. Yes. The more you have on this list, you know, and the more you can do. And 
you can develop these things. Oh, yeah. They do not have to be natural. You don't have to be in, it's not innate. You don't have to be <laughs> yeah. born with it. You talk about being driven. Yes. How do you how what is I mean, how do you catch on to being driven? Some people I know are incredibly driven mm-hmm. and some I know are just really happy. Yeah. Just just kind of floating right where they are. Just doing what they're doing. Like no need to do more. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We want to figure out a reason that it's important to us. So let's say with a class, right? I might want to learn everything that's in that class. And that's my goal, to learn absolutely everything in that class. Somebody else's might be just a pass. Yeah. And so you need to figure out what your goal is and the steps that you need to do in order to get there. And that's really how you end up in continuing and being driven and continuing to move forward, really. Mm. Because um, it's interesting that maybe it's something your parents teach you. Maybe it's something that you might be born with this – but to me, it's passion too, right? You, mm-hmm. To know what you love, it's what I've noticed a lot with my college kids. They don't necessarily – they kind of know what they love. They they know the area they want to get into, but mm-hmm. they still have to do their general ed. Yes. And so school seems less passionate <laughs> until – and then once yeah. you see them click into their specialty, then you see this fire ignite. So maybe you just got to keep feeling around for it till you find it. Oh, absolutely. And, ex- and it goes back to those experiences. Experience as much as you possibly can so that you know what you like. Yeah. You know what you like to do. And be aware. Notice, are you learning? Do you like this? How does it make you feel in the morning when you've got to go do that versus something else? Yeah. Are you excited to do it? Because yeah. really, I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you make in life. It, it doesn't matter how successful or what title you have. It's if you really enjoy your job. Such good advice. Another way to be unique in the world is intuition. What do you mean by that? So it's the lost art of going with our gut. Yeah. Um, a lot of times we are rational and we go, okay, well, you know, mechanically, this job pays me more. I'm going to do mm-hmm. this. Or, you know, I'm going to look cooler if I do this, right? Yeah. But you need to follow that gut because we need to acknowledge that emotional piece. It's, our life is not rational at all as much as we would love to right, to be right. that way. And we need to acknowledge the emotions that come up. Now, that doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to follow exactly what your gut yeah. is telling you. It doesn't mean your gut's always right, yes. but it is communicating yeah, something. There's something there. And the, if you ignore that, you can get down a path and go, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, there's plenty of, of people that I – you know, have met that are very, very successful and they absolutely hate their life. And it's like, why do you hate your life? And like, I really want to be an artist. I didn't want to be a lawyer mm-hmm. or whatever. You know what I mean? That's right, right. And, you know, they, you want to acknowledge that piece. You want to acknowledge that gut emotional feeling. It's, it also seems like um, the, the gut, if, with all of this, if you don't ever pay attention to what you're feeling, mm-hmm. you can't sharpen the skill, but you can sharpen your intuition. By learning how you're using it, where it worked, where it didn't. So what is what is a process you use as a therapist to help people? What is something they can do to improve their awareness or even post-mortem to go do a post-evaluation <laughs> of what didn't yeah. work? Yes. So um, you want to – usually I have them make a list. So we make a list of what the rational piece was. Why we decided to do – like if we're doing a postmortem, let's say. Yeah. Um, about rationally why we needed to do that, why we needed that job, why we were in that relationship. Yeah, why we stayed in that relationship, why we chose that relationship, yeah. Yes, on, and that's on the rational side, right? And then we make a list of the emotional pieces. Emotionally, why did you stay in that relationship or why did you stay in that job? Um, 
and, and really acknowledging those feelings. Um, and then you want to bring those things together and understand how they blend. So you might have gone completely rational with that relationship piece and totally ignored the mm. emotional piece. And so just understanding, we, we actually call that wise mind, where you take the rational piece and the, and the emotional piece and blend them together. And now you've got a whole mind, yeah. Exactly. You're, you, you acknowledge all pieces. It doesn't mean that you're going completely rational, completely emotional, mm-hmm. um, but you're acknowledging all those pieces so that you're not ignoring parts of you. And – I guess that's the, the yin, the yang. You've, at some point, it's there's a whole you, and part of this process of being unique, it might be exploring the whole of you. Yes. Not just because yeah. I, I, that's what you see with a lot of people that are absolutely unique mm-hmm. is that they're really not afraid to just be them. Yes, and that is so important. It gives us a sense of well-being when we can be ourselves. And unfortunately, a lot of people feel by themselves like or who they are in like their house with their cat. Yeah. You know, and not in the world. And the more that you can get out in the world and just be who you are, the more well-being you feel, the mm-hmm. more calm you feel because you are okay with you. You accept yourself. And you can't Others are not going to accept you completely no. until you accept yourself. And you're the only you you got, right? Exactly. Work with yeah. it. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't that – I mean and you see a little pattern of um, – you know, you might be an introvert. You might like to stay in. You might want to not have to always be out in, in the game because it makes you a little anxious. Yes. So then your anxiety has you pull back. Mm-hmm. Then you miss opportunities. You feel like maybe you're not magnifying yourself enough and then – that almost becomes a little depressing. So then, <laughs> yeah. so it's almost like the. So it might be chemical depression, chemical anxiety. Of course, it also could just be your traits, your tendencies keep you resistant to mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. which then induces a little depression because mm-hmm. you don't change. So how do you discern between when it's a real problem, like chemically, versus just kind of a thinking pattern that we're stuck in? Well, a lot of it is going over. Decisions that there's guilt or shame, regret, all of those things. Yeah. kind of you can see a pattern in it if it's behavioral, like yeah. if it's something that we're doing. Um, if it seems to be, I mean, I always get folks checked out and make sure that we're doing okay. Um, you know, like good blood draws, right. all of that, because I want to know if there's a physical component of that. We want to take care of it because that's part of being whole too. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, yeah, we I, it's seeing if there's a pattern in your behaviors, and there's there's no problem with improving yourself no. at all. There's no problem if you tend to want to stay in home, in your home, you know, to go out and, and go to a party or right, something. You right. know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we want to do it so it's healthy for us and that we're doing it that what's true to ourselves. And and that you're leading it. I have a friend that um, he's really talented, really smart, just graduated with a great degree. And he really wants to go out and work in that field. Mm-hmm. But he has this fear of not succeeding, not Oh, not yes. being able to do it. And to go out in the field, he'd have to leave where he lives and and he's afraid of that. Mm-hmm. So instead, he's decided to kind of just stay where he is and just go get another degree. Okay. And so I start, we started getting into that. So why would you choose another degree? And, and But he's asking me because his intuition is telling him something's not right. Yes. And he knows something's not right. Yeah. And yet – He's staying – anyway, long story short, he's realized that he's just hiding. Yes. He's going to get another degree yeah. to stay in another place. But 
And I just asked him, so what happens then? So let's say you get the next degree mm-hmm. and oh, everything I stays the same. <laughs> then what do it. you do? Yeah. So eventually we have to face that fear. But it's interesting. Yeah. A lot of these issues are coming. He, he has some experience but not enough mm-hmm. to make the big decisions. His intuition's telling him something. He really is – he has not yet dealt with and is not probably self-aware enough to deal with his, with his you problem. Yes. His problem is him. Yes. He's got some fear. Yeah. And that's – and acknowledging that is huge yeah. first off. And then moving into, you know, well – do I still want to do this? Or can I modify my career to, you yeah. know, to, to fit me better? Right. You know? And so. I guess once the fear has gone, then I, I guess you appear. Yeah. Yeah. And you – the thing with – so fear never goes away. Yeah. I think people are like, well, you're, you know, you're so brave. You just go and do it. No. You might feel it every that, day 50 times a day. Exactly. But it is it is going out and doing it anyway and really trying to – to experience things again, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and the more you do it, the easier it is. Oh, that's good. Good advice. <laughs> well, we appreciate you. Jesse Shepard's her name. You're going to have to go check out her website, blueclovertherapy.com. Uh, great information there. She's also available for presentations. She's in the media. She's everywhere. Oh, my gosh. It's kind of scary, isn't it, Jesse? <laughs> right? So much work. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Jesse, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks you for being so with wonderful. us. You're awesome. Keep up the great work. We'll take a break, folks. Come back and uh, do it all again. One more hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here with Jeff Simpson. Uh, we are hanging on, folks. Just barely. Just barely hanging on. It's uh, The day goes really fast for me. Oh, well, let's clarify. The first four hours of the day go really fast for me. Then when you guys leave, I feel like I'm all alone. Well, you do shut yourself up in an office. That's true. That's when we call it nap time. And I don't know. After that, I just I get really lethargic and tired. And you can admit that right now because everybody else is at a staff meeting. Uh-huh. Everybody in the building's at a meeting except you and I get to just work through it. So we could play all sorts of clips uh-huh. if we wanted to. <laughs> we can do anything we want. We've got a great hour uh, to talk about many things. Remember the show in our, our goal of the show is to help you get the information you need to live a healthier, happier life. Today will be no exception. Julie K. Nelson will be joining us, the bomb mom. Also the child whisperer, we call her. Hmm. She talks to children like this. She's just a very calming effect, and she's a professor and will teach us how to have healthy families. Um, We'll get with Julie in a minute. Um, Also be visiting our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. It's our chance to ask them anything related to sports. Or even movies sometimes. So you might even be able to talk to them about the Oscar nominations. You are like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. You love movies. Wait, did you say candy? Uh Uh-huh. Did you bring any? No. But you're like a kid in an Oscar candy store. Because oh, you can those chocolate Oscars. You, yeah. you talk about the Oscars like it's just this beautiful chocolate covered 
caramel. It's basically my Super Bowl. It is. But you, you like sports, too. Um, You've seen them. I've seen sports, mostly in movies, though. <laughs> oh, you need, to, you need to stretch. We've got plus crazy stories. People doing nuts. They're just going nuts. A guy, in a minute, we'll talk about it. A man ends up setting his armpit on fire. Hmm. By the way, to impress his friends. Hey, guys, watch me set my armpit on fire. We'll teach you why not to do that. You, sh- you shouldn't be doing it. You know, I'm, that might work for me, though, because I'm going winter camping this weekend. You're going to wish you could set your armpit on fire. I, I'm going to be freezing. Yeah, you are. You're taking a bunch of scouts uh, and you're going to a winter camp. Yes. So they saw you coming a mile away. Speaking of a mile, we're hiking a mile to the campsite. <laughs> so if a bear gets us or if somebody bears needs to go to the hospital, we need to Yeah, the bears hike. don't camp in this stuff. They go find a nice bears dry Bears are smarter spot. than that. You never know. So that, there are was you the, snowshoeing? Uh, I don't think so. You might want to I might want out. to. Yeah. But, you know, if a bear can eat someone's kayak in September, yeah. a bear can attack me. In my tent. They'll be hibernating. In January. You're probably more likely to have a deer eat your tent. Oh. And you're, I can't you, even tell you how many times that's happened to me. Yeah. That's why you need deer, you need deer um, musk. Make sure you get the right kind. Deer musk. So you spray this deer scent. Hmm. But make sure you get the right kind. Because <laughs> if you don't. It's bad. It's going to be a really long night. What do they write, call it? Write that down. It's deer scent. You'll, it's, you'll smell good to a deer. That's about it. Yeah. Deer, deer musk. Deer, it's, I think it's deer musk for men. This, go to Walmart. This, this feels like really bad advice. Go to Walmart, but don't go like in the perfume area. Go, go back like look, near the deer hunting gear. Look for the camo. Isn't that the one that uh, Larry the Cable Guy endorses? Probably. I think so. Yeah. I think it's called elk juice. Just get that. It's good Elder stuff. juice. Yeah. But again. I think that's something else. Get the right brand. I think there's a brand, Drakkar. <laughs> Drakkar for men. It's, okay. Any other tips that I should Drakkar, I think, with like 1K yes. or a CK. Figure out a way to stay home. There's yeah. your tip. Oh. <clears throat> I don't See, my well. daughter <laughs> is getting sick. So maybe if I get sick oh. before Friday. You, you know what? We'll pray for you. <laughs> We'll pray that you get sick. No, that sounds like it's so negative. But It'll be great. Unless you love winter camps. Have you done many winter camps from California? I've never done a winter camp. Okay. So my backup plan, if I can't sleep, Uh-oh. I'm just going to pre-download some Netflix shows and just watch them in my tent. That's a great idea. Then I don't use the data. Unless it gets so cold that your phone just shuts off. Well, it will do that. It'll be cold up there. Hmm. Hopefully hmm. it doesn't snow. And, like, use of hands is kind of difficult with how cold it gets? Well, I think it's only supposed to be 9 degrees here. So up in the mountains... Oh, it'll be a it, lot the, cooler than It that. gets warmer in the mountains, though, right? Yeah. The higher up you go. The higher you get to the sun. Yeah. yeah sure. That's how it should be, right? Yeah. Wow. We're going to miss you, man. You've been a great addition to the show. It's been good knowing well, you. Well, I'm coming back Godspeed. Monday. Or pieces of you, Will, hmm. that aren't frozen and left in the snow. I'm going to miss that guy. <laughs> Job opening at the Matt Townsend Show. If anybody's looking for a job, <laughs> just wait till Monday. He'll be fine. You'll be fine. Then there'll be a press release in the White House. That's right. As Trump claims that he made he the just job created happen. One more job. 
through the scouting program. We um, we got a lot to talk about, uh, but first, before we get to the rest, uh, let's get to Terry South with the headlines. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country? With no evidence to support the claim, President Donald Trump told congressional leaders that he lost the popular vote due to up to five million fraudulent votes. Yeah, the this according to the Washington Post. Yeah. Right. Trump reportedly made the claim during a Monday night reception with congressional leaders. Three sources told the Post, despite the Trump campaign's frequent insistence that voter fraud cost at the popular vote, no evidence has supported any of these claims. Post-election analysis found little to no fraud during the election, which saw Hillary Clinton win the popular vote by 2.8 percent, or mm. 2.8 million votes. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump's inaugural address about American carnage and America first, if you remember those terms he used in his speech, apparently went over swimmingly with American uh, citizens. A Gallup poll released Monday revealed that 53% of Americans who watched or read about Trump's uh, inaugural address Friday said it was excellent or good. Really? Just 20% said the speech was poor or terrible. What did the media say? Kind of mixed. Yeah. Certain channels were playing the national anthem and cheering him on. Others were looking more dimly at the words mm-hmm. that he used. <laughs> Just depending they said on it was dark. Which way your uh, your political leanings were per channel. A federal judge on Monday blocked the proposed thirty four billion dollar merger of health insurance giants Aetna and Humana on uh, antitrust grounds. The Justice Department under the Obama administration sued to stop the deal. In his ruling, U.S. uh, District Judge John Bates said the deal would threaten competition, writing that federal regulation would likely be insufficient to prevent the merger merger from raising prices or reducing benefits, and there is a valuable head-to-head competition between Aetna and Humana, which the merger would eliminate. Aetna? So. I hardly met you. Healthcare, no merger. In other news... Uh, Sean Spicer, we know him. He's yeah. the uh, press secretary for the. We call him Spicy Spicer. He had a, attempt number two at having a press conference yesterday. It went yeah, a little better. It went a lot better. People still pointed yeah. stuff out. Apparently. An they, hour and a half, by the way. It was 79 minutes. Yeah, he took 40 something questions. The uh, there, there was something that came out of the two, the one on Saturday, the one on Monday, the two different press conferences. Uh, there was a note that, that it was sort of a setup, that maybe he went too far on Saturday and now his job's in jeopardy. There was like ah, rumors of that. Yeah. Well, it says, the issue is Spicer's clothes, specifically what Trump thinks of his clothes. No, he goes, I, they're not making this. as Maggie Haberman from the New York Times. She goes, one person close to the administration was blunt just now. Trump, it, his issue with Spicer was not the substance and delivery, but how he looks standing up there in an oversized suit. Oh, <laughs> Get a better suit. No? Didn't I say I'd never seen that guy before, and when he was talking, I said, he sounds like he's about four and a half feet tall. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, but that was, he is kind of short. When you see him stand there, you're like, what? But he looked like Tom Brady in that jacket yeah. sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> kind of a big coat he was wearing, so they told him to clean that up. Um, and finally, police say a man bit off the ear of another man in Pittsburgh as they argued about <clears throat> Donald Trump. This is happening quite often. I'm all choked Don't up. Don't get morning. emotional. Mike he Tyson is, so... is in the news again? Well, he gets, uh, could he be. Cries. I get all emotional when this happens. 30-year-old victim was bitten at his apartment at around 6.45 in the morning. On Monday, after a verbal argument turned physically, he ran into a gas station for help. Police spokesperson says that she isn't, uh, says they aren't able to say whether the victim supported Trump or opposed him. I think that's a key to knowing the true uh, you know, true method or true yeah, motivation. Yeah. What was for this. the intent? Yeah. Says the victim's ear was recovered by police in the apartment. Police say he was taken to the hospital in stable condition. They say the man who bit the man's ear got away 
They're searching for him, but they would not give his name. So yeah. there's an earbiter who may or may not like Trump on the loose. Boy. It's dangerous times. As if you weren't afraid enough, now you got to cover your ears. He didn't <clears throat> escape to the mountains, did he? Yeah, he's, he's in the mountains of Utah. Well, Pittsburgh. He, I think he came to Utah to hide in the mountains. Which is what you do. In case you bring a scout troop up there. But who would bring a scout troop to the mountains in the middle of winter? It just snowed. There's probably six feet of snow up there. Like, yeah. I don't know. Why would you do that? What are you doing this weekend, Jeff? Um, well, I'm going to spend all day Saturday in my hot tub. Yes, you will. Defrosting. <laughs> yes, you will. A little advice. Look for black toe. Just check your toes. If one of them starts going black... Just pull out your trusty pocket knife and whittle that thing off. Just just hack that little thing off. It'll get you... Remember, it'll cut, you. cut away from yeah, you. Cut away from the body. Just be safe. Mm. Safe toe cutting. <laughs> I just am so excited. I can hardly wait for Monday. Monday will be good. Monday will, we will have a lot of stories about How, Jeff's camping trip. When you stand around a fire at night at 9 o'clock in the middle of January in the mountains... Camping and you're frozen. Camping's not probably the word of the that's the best explanation for what you're. What would you call it? Hmm. How about suffering, yeah. surviving, freezing, freezing? I just, I remember there's not much sleep that happens. Was How was your scout freeze? That's Excellent. why. That's why I think I'll get caught up on Netflix. It's not It'll happening. Work, it's not and I, no because you'll have little boys running around your tent, and you have to take your hands out of your sleeping bag to operate your phone. And you have to take your gloves off because your gloves – do you have the gloves where you can then Listen. tap on your phone? Because it's really cold. Listen. You don't want to do any of these things. I've got a big so Russian coat and I've got one of those giant fur mm-hmm. shapkas, hats. Whoa. Those things will make you sweat from head to toe. Okay. But I guess if I sweat, then yeah. I'll be wet and yeah. then I'll be cold. Sweat equals wet, which equals death and black toe. You have to manage mm. your temperature. Believe me. Layers. Layers is really the best way to go. I've been, mm. I've been, I've been a cub master. And then, how many how many scouts did you lose? <laughs> well, we didn't. You know what? I, we don't call them losing. We call it calling. You call it moving on. They called the to herd. the next stage. And... All I know is I got a different calling. Yeah. I got a different job. They moved him on to something else, Man. something less. Exposed mm-hmm. to lawsuit. Well, let me give you a story that will help. This will make you feel better, Jeffrey. Um, so a man, a group with a group of friends, they all convinced one guy. This is something you could try in your scout camp. <laughs> totally. A group of friends convinced one man of a surefire way of removing the hair under his arm. The men who were gathered in the backyard in Queensland, Australia, admitted online that they were under the influence at the time of the stunt. Under the influence of it didn't say exactly what it some, was. Some inebriant, a mixture of chemicals. They're probably sniffing deodorant. Yes. Yeah. So holding a can of deodorant in one hand and a lighter in the other, the man held up his arm so his friends could set the armpit hair on fire. Do you, wow. do you smell hair burning? Crispy. Within an instant, his entire arm appears to be ablaze as the alcohol in the deodorant spray ignites. The yellow bright flames engulf the man's armpit as attempts to pull the fire or put the fire out by rubbing them with his hands did not work. The fire continues to burn despite his rubbing. The man was not hurt, but admitted that that wasn't the brightest idea. <laughs> 
and he smelled great. Boy. Charbroiled. So try that with the scouts. No, I'd probably not. Well, you're the only one with probably hair under your arm. <laughs> so Trust me, they'll play with fire. You don't have to worry about that. Well, I wonder what if what if you can't get a fire started? I have one of those cool – you know those fire sticks that you can get at the dollar store? Yeah. They light a little flame. Mine does like a blowtorch effect. Oh, cool. So it's like – Does it last that long? Sound like a balloon. It fizzles out. You might want to – you yeah. might want to take two or three of those. I just wasn't sure if you knew what that sounded like. We always had a, a barrel that was off the ground yeah. that you would build your fire in because you couldn't build it on the ground because of all the snow. So you've camped with hobos? It felt that way. It was just the, the scout troop. <laughs> he went on the famous hobo camp. <laughs> they may have well been hobos. Then. They used to catch except, a train into the big city. Except the food you eat, we ate like like cup of soup and Stew, yeah. canned stew, and then in the morning you had like mm. oatmeal in a cup because uh, no yeah. one wanted to cook anything. It was cup so cold. Cup of oatmeal. I'm just going to take an energy bar. You'll there be you fine. Go. You know what? It's We don't want to discourage you. You're, <laughs> you're serving the community. We're proud of you. Yeah. May you rest in peace. You're giving yourself to a good cause. You are. Yeah. You we'll, didn't even we'll, know you were a friend of Scouts, did you? Now you are. F-O-S. I don't typically donate to the Friends of Scouts. You will now. Oh. Anything to get away from that camp. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's have – got to take a break. When we come back, Julie K. Nelson will be joining us. She's going to talk about how to catch your child being good. This is going to be great advice for you, Jeffrey. Catch these scouts doing something good, not just burning down the forest. Stick with us. The Matt Townsend Show, helping you see and be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, many times we uh, we only catch the kids doing things wrong. And they're like, don't stop. Quit doing that. Do wait till your mom gets home. That's what I always say. Wait till your mom gets home. And they're like, yay. Um, but the problem is we need to find them doing uh, good. We need to catch our kids in the midst of being good. And we'll find out why from our, our bomb mom, we call her. The Child Whisperer, Julie K. Nelson. How are you, Julie? Doing great. How are you doing, Matthew? Excellent. Great. Did you ever send a child on a winter camp? I did. Did they come back? They came back. Frostbite? (laughs) Wanting a lot of hot chocolate and Mm -hmm. go right straight to bed. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. That'll be Jeff's Saturday. It's character building. It totally is. Um, Why do we need to catch our kids doing something good and being good? Well, because... um, we usually wait until they annoy us. Oh, yeah. And then we – it's the squeaky Wilson syndrome where we then turn on them. And what we're doing is giving them attention. It's negative attention, but at least it's attention. And every child has a basic human need to be recognized. Now, if it's good, then we're going to reinforce the good in them. But if they don't receive a healthy dose of positive reinforcement, right. then they're going to resort to any kind of recognition, even if it's negative, or give up. And then maybe they become discouraged or they misbehave because that's the only time when you call Mom their, and dad pay attention. They came, yeah, they called me out even though it was just in a scream or it was the first time that they you know noticed me today. So we're just, we're just you know shaping them to become – misbehaving kids mm. if that's the only time we actually recognize them. So we kind of, as human beings, do this. Think about this this morning. As you were driving to work, if you hit all green lights, you just mm. like sailed right through. Woo! Yeah. Didn't give much thought. 
But if you hit every red light, then oh. you're like, dang. Oh, yeah. You're uh, super yeah. annoyed. You start cursing. Mm-hmm. You might start thinking, my bad luck. Yeah. Yeah, and you, and then you, you always notice when things go wrong. Right. And, and you start thinking, wow, what bad luck I always have. And then you internalize all this negative talk. Yes. Right? But if it was the green light, you never really paid much attention no. to it. You're just like, okay. I'm Unless gonna you're paying attention to it. Unless you – Like you say, I want – I'm going to go all green today. Yeah. Consciously. Wow, that was a green light. How awesome. Praise. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, it's the same thing with kids. If it's green lights all day long, they're doing just fine. We don't stop and praise and say hallelujah. We just – that's just the way it is. Yeah. And we just move on with our life. But if they start doing red lights, stop, stop. They start doing bad things. We start yelling at them. Absolutely. And life gets just unravels, right? But, and, and the funny thing is there there are many times where I'll notice my child do something that's like, that was impressive. Like you said thank you. Mm-hmm. But in my head, I'm like, well, he should say thank you. <laughs> I told him to do that. You we, told, do it. we almost talk him out. We almost talk ourselves out of saying something. We expect because, that it's going to yeah. happen and it just happens, but we don't recognize it or say something that's good about it. And then we only do something when they're doing the, the bad. So true. So let's put our energy into the to the positives and the green lights, and then we'll get more of it because there's a universal law that whatever you focus on, you get more of. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so I came up with an acronym, which is to the word catch. Ooh of how we can practice uh, shaping our kids to become well-behaved okay. and and how to do that, how to create well-behaved children by catching them being good. So what's the C? Okay, so C, call them by their names. We all love to hear our names said and not like – Timothy! Timothy, John, <laughs> McFarland, yeah. get up here. You know, right. not, not like that, you know, and you want to hear the names not being said in, you know, under your breath. With. Yeah, we usually yell their names. <laughs> Spencer! Yeah, but that we use them and then say something positive with it. So Matthew – I really appreciate you doing this. Say their name with mm, the, with that's the really you know. Good. So use their names. We all love to hear our own names said. And it's so personal. It, you know me. Mm-hmm. What about that thing that a lot of parents do, where they're like, Jim John, you number three. I can't like a lot of times you can't get their name out. Yeah, which also are it's probably a cue that you're already hijacked. <laughs> exactly. Slow down. So think it through. Yeah, think it through, and don't use their name in anger because yeah. then they associate who they are. That's the, their core. That's true. With huh? something negative, so say their name with with uh, positive, with love, with sincerity. And if you have, I even love pet names. Yeah. If you use things like "Hey, little you know, sweetie pie" or yeah. whatever, or "Hey, tiger, come over here." You know, mm-hmm. pet names are great too. Did you who's, anyone? Who's tiger in your family? Well, did you did you ever have pet names in your family? Oh did yeah. Your parents call you names. Well, yeah, and, but, endearing names. Oh, endearing. Names. Endearing. Because I was like, I can't use some of them on <laughs> television. <laughs> I'll get in trouble if I use those. Um, uh, I Yeah, they used to call me Smiley. Oh. And um, Hot Stuff. Hot Stuff, yeah. That was my yeah, buddy, sister's. Buddy, you know, Buddy's a great Buddy one. was my dog. We couldn't Oh, okay, okay. Well, so, you know, yeah. whatever you can say yeah. to your kids that use their name with sincerity and love and call them that, it just personalizes it so much. And then those little sweet That's names. So call advice. them by their names. Call them by their name. Uh-huh. Um, a, so that was the C. Call them yeah. by their name. A, ask questions about how they're thinking, doing, feeling. Open-ended questions. It invites longer conversations. Good. You know, ask them how, you know, you care about how their day is going. Now, they may just give you a grunt. Uh. You know, which is, you know, teenagers love to do this. But use some humor. To, hey, just throw me a bone. Just just want to know how your day was going. You know, b- best part, worst part. 
I like to say to parents that kids may not be receptive to you at first, um, and there might be times of days where they just don't want to talk. And that's fine. Don't interrogate. Don't push uh, that they have to, t- to tell you something. But my kids never really, at the end of the day, um, when they came home from school, that was not the best day to ask them about. Best time yeah. of day to ask them because they were just like, just leave me alone. Right. Let them debris. I'm, I'm de- going decompress. De- decompress in my bedroom. And so sitting them down at the table and say, you know, drill them on how did their day go was not always the best. And so I got discouraged and I re- realized that it's, I have to think of other times of days when they're that's more good. open. And I found that they were, when I tucked them in at night, that's when they were just like brimming with information. Interesting. Maybe, so yeah. find, find when they're ready to talk and ask them about how things are going and be creative about how you ask. Don't just say, how's your day? And they go, fine. You say, you know, if your if your day was a movie, what would be the title of the movie? You know, stuff like <laughs> That's that. That's really anyway, good. So ask some questions. I have a one care. to ten. On a scale from one to ten, mm-hmm. rate your day. Yeah. And that works really well for kids who are a little reluctant to give information. Yeah. And then you might say, Wow, four, wow, what would the what happened? Tell me four? more. What's yeah. that about? Yeah. Right, right, right. But the but the numbers at least give you a gauge. So ask them That's at least good. ask them for a number, something that tells you I care. Were they open because they didn't want to go to bed? Exactly. I could talk all <laughs> I night. I want to talk all night. I don't <laughs> want to but here's the other thing, Jeff, is that they are more relaxed. And at that time of day, there was something magical that happened with I tucking them in was connecting on a, on a way that they were – a level they were ready for. There's something about that time of day. And you find parents what time of day works – sometimes in the car when you're driving them to you know whatever dance. That's when they're ready to talk in the backseat of the car. Whatever it might be. But find how you can ask about how they're doing. Mm, that's good. Um, take them on a, a weekly child parent-child date. Yeah. Oftentimes, because you uh, you know you bribe them with ice cream, that's when they're going to talk over ice cream. Whatever, whatever works. Right. But find a way that you can connect and ask how they're doing. Good. So, T, this is a big one. Um, parents don't do this enough. Thank them. Again, that's looking for the green lights. Hey, thank you for picking up your socks. That's good. I mean, when they do something, don't just expect that it's supposed to happen. And again, you don't have to thank them for everything. But once in a while, catch them being good. Did they load their dishes in the dishwasher? Yeah, it's expected they do that every night. But once in a while, would it kill you to say, hey, thank you for doing that. I you really did appreciate a great that. job. I really appreciate that. One time, um, my daughter did this on a regular basis, you know, loaded the dishes, load the dishes, load the dishes. Nobody said anything. And then one night, she didn't. And then my husband, of course, the green light or the red light, you know, noticed yeah. it. And said, <laughs> get in here and load your dishes. You know, you forgot. And later on, she was so discouraged. And she said, why wasn't I ever noticed for all the times I did load oh, dishes? Oh, that's – She uh, called it out. Straight up called it out. You know what you say And then, I felt terrible. Go to your room. <laughs> Shut your mouth, young but lady. But it matters to them. They notice all the – So true. The 25 times that they did do right. it right, the one time they didn't, and then that's when you come down on them. Well, what about the times I did, she said. So true. And she noticed it, and it really hurt her. What a smart daughter. Yeah, she was. So thank them. So I say to parents, you know, catch them being good even for the things you expect them to do. Hey, thanks for using your indoor voices. Yeah. You know, you know, instead of when they're yelling through the house, thanks. Thank you. Look for ways that things that you would have expected them to normally do once in a while would it kill you just to say, hey, thank you for mm-hmm. being so nice to your sister. I really appreciate you playing cards with her today. That was really nice. That's cool. So if you could catch yourself eight times a day thanking them, you know, finding them, something about them to your one correction. Right. That's what sociologists and psychologists and, and you know, 
all those who work with children and families say, and you know as a relationship yeah. coach, therapist, that you need to do at least ten, eight, eight to ten times the positives to the one correction. Yeah. Because pretty much what happens is that one correction neutralizes all those eight to ten, and it becomes a one-to-one. Yeah, one. Because that one negative is, is so negative to them. Even if it's a correction that's not too bad, it is so powerful, like my daughter, that it canceled all the other 25 mm. times, you know, that she would have heard something it's positive. It's huge. So, so be sure to thank them. And here's another thing. I do this as well with my kids. <laughs> okay, this is great. If they haven't picked up their socks or if they haven't swept the floor, <laughs> yeah, what do you I'll do? be like this. Thank you so much for sweeping the floor. And then they look at me and they go like this. Mom, I didn't sweep the floor. And I say to them, but you were going to. And I wanted to thank right? you. I wanted to thank you in advance. I'll say. <laughs> oh, I a pre thing. I wanted to thank you in mm-hmm. advance. Or I'll say, but I know you were thinking about it. So I wanted to thank you for that. Boy. Do you see how I'm shaping for yeah. what I, what the possibilities could be? And I'm recognizing the good within them, the potential to do good. But you know they turn around thinking, she's so weird. I know. They do. And they look at me when they roll their eyes. But they're so used to it now. <laughs> Just, Mom is losing. I'm it. thanking them in advance for the thought yeah. of being thoughtful. So even you know, if they're not, I, I plant you're the seed. I'm, 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 I'm giving them the idea that they That's could cool. be good. So yeah, um, thanking. So call them by their name. Ask questions that are open ended. Thank them. That's the C A T of catch. Mm-hmm. We'll come back and continue the discussion with Julie K. Nelson, the bomb mom. Go check out her website, a spoonful of parenting.com, a spoonful of parenting.com, and her books, Parenting with Spiritual Power and Keep It Real and Grab a Plunger. 25 tips for surviving parenthood. Stick with us. We'll be back helping see the good in your children. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show in studio with us, Julie K. Nelson, the bomb mom from a, a spoonful of parenting.com. Great resources there on parenting and how to how to basically make it through life with your children. And alive. And alive. And, and no one injured. <laughs> and it's life's just good. And happy. Today she's talking about how to catch your children or your child being good. Catch is an acronym of um, five things. C stands for call them by their name in a gently loving, positive way. Make a connection because that's who you are. Your name identifies. Use their name so more. Use in, in, in new, positive in positives. Yeah. Ask questions that are open ended to get them communicating. T stands for uh, thank them more. We need to thank and and have more positive interactions instead of only catching when they do the, something wrong. What's uh, what does the next C stand yeah, for? Yeah. So C stands for compliment them. Mm. So compliment them in private and in public. I love to use both because some kids respond better to the one-on-one, you know, arm over the shoulder on the couch and just have a little private thing about um, how much, you know, good you see in them and what you see that they've been doing so great. But also kids like sometimes to be in public where you're walking through the school or something and you, you know, see their teacher and you say, hey, you know, Mrs. Uh, Jones, um, 
you know, you must love having my child in your class. Isn't he just so fantastic? Yeah. And then say about, talk about them in front of other people. Other people. That's now, some huge. people are a little bit embarrassed by that, but inside they're just like, oh, they mm-hmm. feel so good. So they might act all, oh, don't do that, mom. Yeah. But they love to hear about how great they are in front of other people. Um, and so not like huge masses of, you know, in front of er- maybe all their like friends. Like you shouldn't probably make an announcement. <laughs> a PA at over the principal's over, office. Over the yeah. <laughs> but, but they do love to hear in small groups about the things you love about them and compliment them and the things that they are so good at. Now, I want to also talk about between encouragement and praise, the dynamic duel. When you compliment them, talk about what they've done. Yes, look, look at he, you know, he got an A in your class. He's so smart, that kind of thing. Mm. That's an, an accomplishment. But that's praising for what they've already done. But also compliment on what they're working towards. Their because goals, that's the yeah. effort. That's the effort. And effort is long lasting. You know, they may or may not get an A or they may or may not be student body president. But you can also compliment on the effort they're taking towards their goals. That's good. And so compliment them on how they stuck to it or how they didn't give up or how they were such a good they uh, they were on the track team when they cheered everyone else on when they crossed the finish line, even though they might have not been first themselves. Yeah. But compliment on their effort, the long-lasting characteristics of being determined and hardworking and thoughtful and kind and those things that are lasting. Compliment them on that as well. That's good. Um, so use both. And um, then uh, that's compliment. Then H for the catch. So we've got call them by their names, ask questions about their how they're doing. So you take a real interest in them and their best behavior. Thank them for what they're doing, for what they're have done or what they might still do. Mm-hmm. Um, C, compliment them with praise and encouragement and then help. H is for help. Um, to have a child be well-behaved, they often need scaffolding or modeling at home on how to do this right. And so instead of just telling them to do something or st- stop doing something, show them how you would do that. How would a good, well-behaved person do this? At the table, if you want to talk table manners, Show them how. This is how we would eat with a fork and knife, you know? Yeah. I know you can do this. Watch me. Scaffolding how you do good behavior, how you have good manners in public. This is how you would greet someone at the door and show them how to do that so that you are modeling the well-behaved child you want them to be. We tell them to get good grades Mm -hmm. and we assume they know how. Mm -hmm. We assume they know study habits. We assume they know scheduling habits. How to put the organized stuff in their planner. They don't know that. Got to sit down with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're floundering. So if we want them to be well behaved, show them how to, and be that that model for them. Don't do it all for them though, because you don't want to enable them and be the helicopter parent of rushing in and saving them or doing the entire science project for them, because that just shows them they can't. And you don't have confidence in them. But if you want them to be well-behaved and to be their best that they can be, then scaffold what you can and then take away the scaffolding when you know they can start to rely less and less on you and then do it on their own. So you do what you need to for them, but then say, I know you can do this part. Well, and then every every day they can do more uh-huh. and yeah. they can do more. But I guess that's the rub, right? Because a lot of – it seems like a lot of parents don't know how to do it themselves. <laughs> like I wasn't a great student – I had to learn every piece of it alone in a way. Oh, wow. Well, and I just figured it out and then turned into an incredible student, <laughs> I must say. No, but it's we have, to pay, we have to model it and a lot of parents don't possess it. So we it's hard to give. Yeah. If we're not really organized ourselves, yeah. right? Or we're not good with so find other people they can learn those skills from. I say mm. you can always outsource parenting. You don't have to be the all end all yeah. person to your kids where you have all the skills. I am terrible. I'm up to like fifth grade, maybe pushing at sixth grade math oh. and my 
adult life. There's now. not math when in I heaven. Was, when I was helping my kids through math, I'm like, okay, I max out at sixth grade. Yeah. If you're in junior high, you go to your dad. That's right. Go to your dad. <laughs> or the neighbor. I have some great chem- – I had a chemist down my street. So it was chemistry. I'm like, go to the chemist That's down the street. That's great. And they were happy to help my kids oh, with, yeah. their, with high school chemistry. I don't, I don't do it. Smart. And so outsource what you can. I mean, you know, and if you're not – if you're kind of bad with uh, scheduling or organizing, then get good and work on it with your kids. Yeah. I think that's a skill everyone should and make be. it a make it a goal as a family. Mm-hmm. Teach this in family night. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So the H is for help. Help what you can, but don't do so much for them that you're enabling them. Show confidence in their ability that they can, but then help and scaffold what you need to to show them what it is that you expect from them that they can do. So the metaphor catch could also be catching your kid as they're falling, as they're stumbling, mm-hmm. and get them back on the path. Let them go. Absolutely. And you'll be catching them the rest of your life. Right, yeah, you do. and then someday they'll catch you. you. Do but but be sure that you uh, give them what they can and not do it all for them. Julie K. Nelson, the bomb mom. See why we call her the bomb mom? You are like a you are like a Samsung Seven Note. <laughs> There's I knew Jeff was going to get the bomb. <laughs> there she goes. Go check out her website, a spoonful of Oh, the big crescendo. Thank you, Julie. We'll take a break. Come back. Visit our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, it's time to go down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Hello, gentlemen. We are going to discuss the greatest part of a trail mix compilation. I can hear you eating. Okay. Is, is no, it the M&M's? No. If you don't have the M&M's, it's too dry. What about the cashews? <sighs> I love cashews. The cashews. I think the you guys cashews are... cashews are fantastic. What do you think, Maddie? You we, guys are rubbing it in because you knew that we weren't able to go to that meeting. We, well, you can run downstairs in about 12 minutes and grab some. I'm, we're going to just be Did eating Did you want it. us to bring you something? Well, that's okay. I still have time. How about right now I go get you something and bring it up? Well, you want something? But I don't want you sweaty and breathing hard on your show. Um, that'd be the norm. Yeah, that's the usual. <laughs> we so. call that. We do that for the ratings. <laughs> My sweaty palms. You can't see those on TV. <laughs> that is so sad. What, I can, is, what is it? Is it the craisin? Because Jeremy wants the yeah, craisin that, is a great oh, invention. That's fruit, right? Mm-hmm. You bring it over okay. here. Okay, you can hear it. Yeah, shake it a little bit. You can hear it. Oh, okay. that's body. Oh, there are dried mangoes, dried bananas. Are almonds. you guys playing Yahtzee? It sounded like a Yahtzee game. <laughs> Yahtzee! <laughs> <laughs> that's so so good. That's hey, my five-year-old's um, favorite game. Anyway, so anything big? Any big news in the meeting that we should know about? Um, I mean, that can go public, of course. Uh, yeah. BYU's announced that there's a new managing director <gasps> at BYU Broadcast. Oh, my heavens. See what happens? Do you know who it is? No. His name's Michael Dunn. Michael Dunn. He was the uh, general manager of KUED Channel 7, the PBS affiliate in Salt Lake, for more than 30 years. Really? Well, he's worked in broadcasting uh, for more than 30 years. So he's on his uh, LDS mission in Johannesburg. Oh, my heavens. So he returns in April. So there you go. Boom. Boom. He's got a doppelganger, too, but I don't know the actor's name. Really? Mm-hmm. He's the dean in uh, the movie where her name is Elle, and she wears pink, and she goes to Harvard. What's that? 
Legally Blonde. Oh, yes. yeah. He's the dean in <laughs> Legally <MDP>. Blonde. <laughs> Legally Blonde. He's, <laughs> he's not here for like three months or so. That is so his doppelganger. Is that Victor, yeah. Victor Garbo? Is that who it is? Maybe. Ooh, maybe. Nice poll. I'm, I'm looking up the full cast and crew. Okay, full cast coming up right now. I think, isn't he the dean in that movie? It's Victor Garbo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been on The Flash. He's been on Legends of Tomorrow. Tell me that's not yeah. Michael Dunn. That's him. Unbelievable, That's you him. guys. It's yeah, Victor Garber. Oh, nice. yeah. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I took one look at the picture, and I was like, oh, yeah, the Dean from uh, that movie with Reese Witherspoon in it. <laughs> you, you guys, I'm, I'm telling you, you've got – there's something about your um, the food you've been eating because your energy is at a completely different level. Well, it's the trail mix, man. Is that what it is? Or was it the meeting? Maybe uh, it's just having a meeting. go to the meeting because we've been prepping oh, like yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. We, the time didn't work out for us. That makes sense. But here we are. I'm totally with you. We're ready to party. Ready to party. Victor hey. Garbo, by the way, in the top 5,000 in actors for IMDb. So that's oh, top 5,000? Prestigious. Really? <laughs> I want to make it into the top 50,000 in the U.S. <laughs> it's, even their haircut is like the same way. You, oh, I love it. You so guys, much. ever since they put you on IMDb, you've been. It seems like you've been looking at it a lot more lately. You've been reading your quotes. You've been commenting on others. Well, we are the sports and movie show, according to one comment. Yeah. So. Oh, and movie. Yeah, and movie. Is that because you you've commented on a movie before? <laughs> when do we not comment on that on a daily basis? A you guys it's kind of a slow time right now. Though. Yeah. I, I totally get it. Totally get it. Hey, sports news. Um, any, any? well, I guess tell me first of all, what's going to be up on your show? Today we're going to discuss who's the best player in the West Coast Conference mm. in hoops. Is it Eric Mika or yes. if it's not, who is it? Okay. okay. Uh, Tim Lacombe will join us on the program as well. He's the associate head coach of the men's basketball team. Is Nick Emery, uh, is his injured left knee serious enough to where he won't play Thursday? And what is it? And is BYU going to play defense the same way they did yes, Saturday please, the rest of the Yes, please season? do that. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Last, uh, Timmy. Plus, he sent out an Instagram post that's pretty awesome. We're going to bring that up, too. Wow. By him playing in a garage band when he was younger. What? Really? Yeah, when he was younger. Like, it is from that time period. It's fantastic. You guys are locked and loaded, then. Mm-hmm. And? Deal, no deal. Senior Bowl, Jamal Williams and Harvey Longyear there. We'll tell you what's coming out of the Senior Bowl right now. Jamal making waves with uh, a fanny pack. Yeah. <laughs> A.K.A. The Rock in Central Intelligence. Really? You need to watch that. Does Not he, a joke. A, Jamal rocking a fanny pack, and it got tweeted about by the folks Rocking at a fanny pack? I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. What? Really? Did he, I bet he looked like Dwayne. <laughs> he did look like Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. I used to look like Dwayne. Yeah. I don't believe you. Why do you, guys, why do you guys Why do you do that? I thought we were friends. I don't know. We like to bring you down a lot. You, you need some no men. You I, can't have yes men surround you. How are you going to grow? I thought you said yo men. No. Like sailors. Yo. Yo, yo ho, yo ho. <laughs> a pirate's life Dr. for me. for me. Yep. Every man needs a yo man. <laughs> yo. Hey, yo. What's up? Yo. Yo, man. Hey, what do you? Uh, maybe a little comment on the jazz and their legacy thing. Yeah, Gail Miller did something yesterday that uh, yes. it's, has it's, a lot of NBA fans in NBA cities jealous that they don't have Gail Miller as their owner. That's pretty cool. You know, they, the Chargers are like, wait, we could have done what? 
Right. So they, they, here. they put the franchise in a trust and all of the money from the franchise goes back into the trust. So no money goes to the family and it's going to create this legacy fund that will keep the Utah Jazz in Utah. Fantastic. For as long as the family want you to run it. Live. Yeah. So the money will be there. That's I mean, I guess it's the only franchise in any of the major league sports to do such a thing. That's pretty crazy. There's some unique setups like Green Bay is owned by the people. The people. Right? You can yeah. buy piece of the yeah, I love it. I, I have a friend that's a weather guy in Palm Springs that's a, a, an owner of the Green Bay Packers. The, yeah. I was like, yeah, what? That's, that's unique. So this is a unique setup. <laughs> you, hey, Utah's a unique place. It's a unique place. You know this how you get here? Place. Unique up to it. With your yeoman. With your yeoman, yo. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll end on that Victor note. Garber. Victor Garber for the win. <laughs> he shoots his Victor cars. Garber. Just look up Victor Garber's IMDb page, like go, the, and the then profile compare picture, it. and then put it side Matt, by side. To our new leader. I'm going to tweet. Matt, I'll tweet at you. Okay, do it. Tweet. Leader, with with yeah. a screenshot of these. Okay. Two, okay. okay. <laughs> what is it? At, doc, what at is Dr. It? Matt Show. Dr. Matt Show. It'll be there in .4 seconds. On the way. <laughs> on the way. It's on the way. Um, in fact, let me just hold you on the line while I wait to see it. Okay, hold on. I don't want to put any pressure at on you. Dr. Here we go. Here it comes. Okay, stand by. <laughs> Three, you tell me. Three, two, it's one. It's not spot on, Sent. man. And I'm there. I'm there. Sent. Sent. Refresh. Refresh, Matt. Refresh. I'm refreshing. <gasps> there. Holy <Shit>. cow. <laughs> how did you? You see it? Yeah. How did you? You came. How did you come up with that? I just <laughs> popped into my head. He's Victor Garber. It's great. It, it totally is. It totally is. Pretty funny, huh? Oh, my heavens. Two good-looking leaders. Send it out to your listeners, Matt, it's on out your there. Twitter machine. It's out there. We'll do it. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. You got it. That's awesome. Our new leader, Michael Dunn. And, again, apparently uh, 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 looks a lot like Victor Garber. Maybe he'll be able to act in some of our stuff here at BYU Broadcasting. Um, crazy, crazy. He was a Garber baby, by the way. Oh, those are the cutest kids. Mm-hmm. The Garber baby. The Garber baby. Uh, police apparently were able to take a bite out of crime thanks to one man's taste for pizza. Last September, police say someone broke into a residence. Two iPads and Xbox One were stolen. Detective Richard Sarah noticed that there was a pizza box in the, in the garage and discovered a bite in a slice. He swabbed the bite mark and sent it to a crime lab for DNA analysis. And the lab matched it to a Florida man, Jamar uh, Mackey. Detective Sarah got a search warrant, and Mackey was arrested Thursday morning. How many times have I told you, don't eat the pizza during the caper? His mom always told him that pizza would be the death of him I told or the you, end son. of him. I told you, son. Hey, our hero story of the day uh, is a former Maryland linebacker held for a fire rescue. Um, the uh, I'm trying to find uh, Maryland linebacker Cole Ferrand did uh, saved lives Monday morning. Ferran, who played at Maryland from 2011 to 2014, leading the Terps in tackles his senior season, was asleep at his parents' Green Pond home early Monday morning when his father came into the room talking about an emergency. All I heard was house and fire, so I think our house is on fire, Ferran said. He jumped out of bed, threw on his shoes, saw his mother, who frantically explained that it, was, it wasn't their house on fire, but his late grandfather's house a few doors down. So he and his father went, ran outside uh, while his mom called 911. The flames looked as though they were shooting 20 or 30 feet above the house. But as they got closer, they realized it was the actual house behind that one. 
onto the next street over that was consumed in flames. Cole rounded the corner to make sure no one was inside the house where they found a panicked wife and husband and remained um, on the ledge outside of a second floor window as she was trying to get out. Said I uh, for a second. I said, "Hold on, sir. Just stay right there. I'm going to get my ladder." He got his ladder, came back, and saved the couple. Pretty cool. I mean, can you imagine waking up to your grandpa's house is on fire? You think your house is on fire? Then grandpa's house, then the neighbors, and then you still have to run back and get your ladder. Always bring your ladder. From the time he woke up till the time the house was consumed in flames was maybe ten minutes, or even less than that. So. Uh, Maryland linebacker Cole Ferran, you're the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. Again, just a person who's willing to serve, to do what you can. It doesn't always turn out perfect like that, but you know what? It doesn't mean we shouldn't try. So let's make it a great one and go try to serve the people we love and the people around us. That's really what makes you the greatest hero. We'll be back again tomorrow to give you more information, more ideas, a little light, hopefully a little hope. Really, help you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier life. That is the goal of the show. Until tomorrow, make it a great one. We'll talk again tomorrow.